This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. How are you? Hope you're having a great day. Was that your impression of Robin Williams? Oh, I do, don't you love that show? Good morning, Vietnam. Yeah. Boy, that's that's what made me want to do radio right there. The Vietnam War. <laughs> made me want to get into radio. No, that actually did influence me. I thought, how, how cool was that? You can influence so many people. But uh, top of the morning to you. Happy Thursday before the Friday that leads to the Saturday, then the Sunday, which is Christmas Eve, and then Monday, the big celebration. So and, wait, did uh, we ever figure out how many days until Christmas? I think now, according to our Navy personnel, it's three days and a wake-up. Is that right? Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like a good compromise. Yeah, we, do, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, great, uh, great day to you. Um, by the way, so much uh, Terry's doing the math. So you don't count today? I, I count every day. At my age, <laughs> at my age, you learn to count every day. Part of today is already gone, so I guess you wouldn't count. But this most as of a day. today still exists. Right, this is true. But there's always tomorrow. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, we'll get stuck in this for the whole show. Yeah, we don't want to go there. Uh, so much to talk about. I've been doing a lot of Christmas shopping, and can I just tell you, online. Have you got Hatchimals? Yeah. What yeah. else do you need? How many Hatchimals were you able to find? Those are hard to find out there. No, Hatchimals not, are a big present. I no, I'm not buying one of those. Should I be? I don't have anybody that would want one. Your granddaughter would. Yeah, but we've got her something very, very special. Are those like oh. Tamaguchis? I have no idea what they are. Oh, okay. oh, I once had a Tamaguchi. Really? Yeah, but they removed it. Surgically. Mm. Well, yeah. and the kind of thing you get lanced. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Once you lance in a couple stitches and you're fine. Um, no, I've been doing a lot of online shopping, and I'm finding out that you can spend money very easily. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the neat thing is it doesn't seem to cost me much. No. You're <laughs> the, just sitting at home. And no, like, I'll wow, look take at this. two of those, two of those, three of these. That looks good. I'll, let's buy that. And the next thing you know, I've, I've run up a bill. And, and Amazon thinks I'm one of their best uh, people. My wife has shopped in random places enough that I get the alert from the bank saying, is this you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's us. <laughs> yeah. Are you in New Jersey? Mm. It's, don't think so. It's too late for this, but on Amazon, you could have done the slow shipping and gotten a digital credit for every item that you purchased. Really? Because of that, I was able to get a couple of digital movies for free. Yeah, well. It's all Bitcoin. But what's the fun in that? Uh, free movies? Yeah. What's Sounds the, like fun to me. But the fun thing is is hoping that it's going to get here. There's like this weird <laughs> roulette where you finally find the one thing you want, you get, you buy it, you put it in your shopping cart or whatever, and then it kind of says, yeah, it'll be delivered on the 28th. Oh. <laughs> so then you got to go back and find it out again. And they say, sometimes it would even say it would be delivered before Christmas. Then when you put it in the cart, not that one, not that color. That color won't be delivered till after Christmas. Those are the sham heisters. Is that a word, sham heister? It is now. Sham heisters. We need to do a whole show on sham heisting. Hmm. Scam, arting, sham. Sham heister sounds like something you'd see on, uh, what what are those products called? 
as seen on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Bamco Shamheister. <laughs> yeah, that's it's actually just a food dehydrator, but you know. <laughs> It will suck the uh, water right out of anything. Uh, we are going to be talking about um, actually an interesting timing of events. We have a, um, an expert that's going to be on the show talking about these lone wolves, mm. terrorists, and it just so happens hasn't been deemed terrorism yet, but uh, somebody drives again on a sidewalk in, in Australia. In Australia. Mm. They're saying it's uh, purposeful, but not terror-related. Yeah. So it Good. was planned. They've actually detained somebody who was filming Oh, had their cameras out, like, and they feel like he had like way too much access to get the entire shot. Yeah, not just like whoa, something's happening. The you lighting know? So, was right. So uh, ISIS will still claim credit. For they it. claim sure. everything. Yeah, they yes. Come on, the millennial terrorists that they are. Yep, we'll get to that. Plus, the mere fact that uh, President Trump's, uh, you know, and I guess Congress had something to do with it. The tax bill. Yeah. Now even AT and T. They're they're giving yeah. back. They've got the spirit. We'll get into that in the news headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else is going on that we should be paying attention to? The Republican tax overhaul bill may have only ended the individual mandate aspect of Obamacare, but that won't stop President Trump from gloating to his base that he repealed his predecessor's signature legislation. When the individual mandate is being repealed, that means Obamacare is being repealed, the president told the press during a cabinet huh. meeting. Obamacare has been repealed in this bill. Contrary to his claim, however, the Affordable Care Act is still largely intact from its Medicaid expansion to uh, the insurance exchanges that set up to uh, regulations on insurance companies, including those mandating coverage for pre-existing conditions. And now it's coming out that some people feel like it may survive and possibly thrive without the mandate. Well, because yeah, it's already, good. It's already established, it's already established in the healthcare the industry. The roots are there. Yeah. We didn't really repeal uh, the. We didn't repeal Obamacare because no. that failed in it Congress. We, they, they tried to do that multiple times, but, but <laughs> President Trump's still claiming. Yeah, he keeps talking about it. Victory. Okay. He, I mean, the, the the mandate is gone. Yeah. Do you know where the mandate started? I'm going to guess uh, North Korea. The the genesis of it is the Heritage Foundation. Oh, not even the very. Conservative Heritage Foundation in the '90s created it, and then they, you know, a few years later, decided it was a bad idea. Once somebody else adopted it, okay. I Pres- love me a good mandate, by the way. There you go. I don't know what the big hang-up is about two guys going out to a movie together. No, we're talking about a different mandate. Okay. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan and his top lieutenants plan to bring a short-term government funding bill to the House floor today, despite internal resistance and hopes of averting a shutdown and then leaving town for the holidays. GOP leaders are betting that their conference doesn't want to trample on its tax victory by shuttering federal agencies. They plan to call up the bill along with a separate eighty. $1 billion disaster package for hurricane and uh, wildfire relief. Oh, good. If the House passes the funding patch today, the Senate will move on it as quickly as possible because they all have flights. They have to get out of town Hello. on Friday. Yeah. Geo, uh, with uh, House Democrats united against a short-term spending plan that doesn't include their top priorities, Ryan is being forced to rely on his divided conference to carry the bill over the finish line, except they all have different priorities, and he's got to make sure everyone stays in step. Well, good luck Which with that. Which may, may be why there's a lot of rumors that he's getting tired of his job. <clears throat> yeah. So he, he wants to just get back to Wisconsin and, you know. Eat some know. cheese? Eat some cheese. Which you do there, right? Yeah. Start a... Just start tossing horrible stereotypes around. As Matt was talking about, AT&T announced Wednesday that once the Republican tax overhaul bill is officially signed into law, which may be on uh, January 3rd, 
Because uh-huh. that, that starts like the Medicaid clocks ticking, and you, that won't be like really the, uh, the the cuts to Medicaid won't kick in until 2019 if he signs them January 3rd. Okay. Right? Yeah. So he's playing games with some... Yeah. Let's do the math on the countdown for that. Yeah, we'll keep that clock running <laughs> every day. Uh, so the company, AT&T, will give out $1,000 bonus checks to 200000 of its employees. Congress, working closely with the president, took a monumental step to bring taxes paid by U.S. businesses in line with the rest of the industrialized world. Uh, this tax reform, well, this is the CEO from uh, Randall Stevenson of AT&T in a statement, this tax reform will drive economic growth, create good-paying jobs. In fact, we will increase our U.S. investment and pay a special bonus to our U.S. employees, all union-represented, non-management, and first- and second-line managers. So all these people are getting uh, ho, 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 bonuses. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. All, the, all the union, yeah. all the non-managers, yeah. they, they're all getting a bonus, but the managers aren't? It says... All union represented, so union members, yeah. non-management okay. people, yeah. and first and second line managers. So they're oh, starting lovely. from the bottom, That's moving great. up That's through the great. ranks. So not like the CEOs. They get well, a, it's like the a different opposite package. of the tax bill. They might get like Bluetooth headphones or something. Yeah. You'll get, yeah. Free Wait upgrades. a minute. Hold on. Is there any reason why you said Bluetooth just, headphones? Just saying Bluetooth headphones. Maybe, okay. maybe a book of mountains. <gasps> Love that. Yeah. I, I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah. Um, in fact, I lost my headphones. Already. Really? Already? That was fast. I think my kids took them. Uh, and there's other companies that are reacting to this tax agreement. Yeah. That has yet to be signed into uh, to agreement. Wells Fargo as uh, well. The AT and T thing is interesting because they're trying to do the whole Time Warner AT and T. Right. The Department of Justice yeah. is kind of against that. They're greasing the skin. There's some feel that the whole CNN involvement in mm-hmm. that is causing issue with certain people in the White House. Um, and this might be a way to kind of give them some good publicity and maybe make yeah. everyone happy. I don't know. So, but because president, I mean, now all of a sudden they're already putting money back in the economy. Right. They're, it's already happening. AT&T says that's offensive even to bring that up. We're doing this for our employees. This isn't to make the Department of Justice like us more right <laughs> uh wells fargo is increasing its minimum wage to 15 an hour um Good. they're allocating 400 million in donations to community and nonprofit organizations in 2018 what this might be in reaction to the fact that they're under investigation no, the see, doj from all the accounts they open they're without doing asking it them. because of this tax bill and mm. now they have so many so much more money right. The Bo- projections are so positive. Boeing has committed $300 million for charitable giving in this next year. Yes. Com- uh, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts said the company will re- award 1000 in bonuses to more than 100,000 employees and spend $50 billion over the next five years to improve broadband capacity because yes. now that was the whole point of overturning net neutrality is right. they, were, they were concerned that it wasn't expanding broadband enough. Yeah. See, this is this is the way government is supposed to work. Really, a lot of companies in trouble, under investigation, and then they pay back the world yeah. as they try to soften the government's hold. So, AT and T, Wells Fargo, Boeing, and Comcast all looking to do something other than buy back their own stock. Apparently, thank <laughs> you, President Trump. Any word if we're getting a raise here? Well, that was my next thought was eyes are on you, BYU Broadcasting. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, because, we're not doing that? No, oh, okay. because you've got plenty and... Yeah, right. Wait a minute. And there's free drinks. Wait a minute. Oh, there is free drinks. That, and, you know, that nobody in here drinks. Yeah, we don't drink any of it, so it's great. <laughs> you guys. I drink the water, but, you know. 
Don't look don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Wait a minute. This is coming from the guy that has like a hundred sick days per year. But you know what I paid need sick days. But have you seen how sick I've been? You have been quite sickly. Yeah. Yeah. Al Franken's last day in the Senate will be January second. Wow. His spokesman announced. So do we know what he's gonna do next? What's he The Senate to? comes back in on the third, so he's not really actually in the Senate. He'll be home. He'll be home. Celebrating the new year, and then the next day just not come to work, and the lieutenant governor will then, from Minnesota, will now come in and you know take the oath and take over the office. Wow. So that'll be the third that she takes over. So Al Franken. That's a, out that's the door. a, that's a big deal. And we were talking about Star Wars earlier yes. this week. Yeah. We all saw it over the weekend. There's some question about the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Right. The critics, high score like 93 Fan scores at like 56 or what? Boo! And there's some concern by that. Yeah. So uh, the film's audience rating current list had it as uh, marked at 55 after more than 124,000 user reviews. 54 this morning. Is it 54? It says it may not be moviegoers that don't like the flick, though. Quartz.com, if you've ever been to that website. Yeah. They do some investigative reporting at times. A Star Wars fan who operates a Facebook page critical of Disney's treatment of franchises and its fanboys claimed to have manipulated the audience rating by posting fake reviews. In a Sunday post, the unnamed fan claims to have created bought Facebook accounts that rig this score and still keep keep it dropping, right? So Quartz notes that logging onto Rotten Tomatoes through Facebook bypasses a security measure designed uh-huh. to, dis- to distinguish bots from real users. And he, this is the guy, he says, look for the accounts that have uh, The Last Jedi as their only review, the individual says. That's me. Quartz surveyed some 20 pages of reviews and found dozens of .5 and one-star reviews coming from accounts created in December in December that have not reviewed any other yeah. movie except this one. Even so, Rotten Tomatoes says they look in their servers. Everything looks fine to us. It doesn't no. look like there's any fraud anywhere. This no. is great news to me because I, there was no way that this audience score could be lower than any other Star Wars film ever, including the prequels. Right. Yeah, it's not possible. How is it? How is it compared to that wonderful cinematic masterpiece of uh, Baywatch? Ooh, (laughs) that may be the test. If it's worse than Baywatch, you know it's a lie. In Baywatch, did somebody have a lightsaber problem? No. Good. They may have had a water ski problem, water jet ski problem. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I didn't see the Baywatch movie, so I'll ask you guys about it. (laughs) Yeah. I saw the trailer. I'll ask Jeff about it. Nice. I didn't see it. Jeff, come on. Um, do they still run in slow motion on oh, Baywatch? Of course, because the whole thing was a parody. So they're going to make fun of that. There's. Yeah. I just remember from the trailer, they're watching this girl running in slow motion, and another girl who's kind of jealous of this girl says, "Is she? why do I see her in slow motion? So they <laughs> make fun of the fact. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I used to run in slow motion. And then The Rock is in it, and he's never in a serious movie. Uh, if you notice, all of his movies are. Just you mean? Do you mean possible candidate for president? The Rock, D- Dwayne Johnson. Yes, he's in a movie that's out that looks kind of fun. Jumanji, See, not serious. He's Welcome a, he's a, to the jungle. He's a video game avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Future president. Apparently, that movie's not bad. Well, well, yeah, why, why would you think it would be bad? I, I just it looked, looked at it and thought that looks like I'm a, not going to trust Rotten Tomatoes. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I'm not going to trust them anymore. It's Jack Black. Jack Black. His character is actually a girl in Jack Black's body. Wow. Which is the, scary. The really good-looking girl from school is in Jack Black's body. So 
How do you find your motivation for that? Where do you go? Where do like, you as go an actor? as an actor? Yeah. And how does a, a male get into the brain of a female and really understand it enough and, to pull it and off? And the jock of the school is in Kevin Hart's body. Right. The comedian, and so he's in this little tiny guy's body. The nerdy, huh. quote, frumpy girl, not my words. Um, she, yeah, you air quoted him, She so. is the really good looking girl in the video game. So she's kind of out of her element, too. Like she's uncomfortable as well. You know what? It just sounds like one of our shows. Yeah, everyone's uncomfortable. <laughs> everyone's uncomfortable and out of their realm. I mean, I mean that in the best way possible. I want to tease ahead in the show. Okay. Just a little thing here. I have a list of uh, the 17 most Florida things to happen this year. Yeah. As the, gathered by a Florida TV station. That sounds negative. Well, yeah. I had to edit, what is it, like seven of the 17 out? So you really have a list of 10. It's like nine. Ten, something like that. Now, Florida, because Florida has different laws where they post all, you know, illegal activities are accessible and posted to anybody that wants to find them. All the arrest reports are available. That's why so many stories come out of Florida. By the way. So we'll get to that. Just as adding JK to an insult doesn't make it any better, neither does, I mean that in the best way possible, make your insult any better. It does feel the same. Yeah. JK. Like, you really don't mean that. So, yeah. Yeah. I do that all the time. I know. That's what we're trying to say. For Christmas. But I don't, I, mean it, it I, don't, I don't mean it in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I mean it in a positive way. It feels in a truthful way is the problem. Air quote. Hashtag JK. <laughs> hmm. Hey, I've got, I've got some bad news for you. Oh, okay. The economy's up 3%? The economy's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, jobs, by the way... Job, uh, what do they call it? Creation? Yeah, well, job. Origination? Pe- pe- people. Retention. Job. In, pe- people claiming to not to be unemployed. Oh, okay, the unemployment rate, yes. But um, went up. Do you oh. know why? I, I have a theory on this. Oh, okay. Because people that gave up and had any hope of ever getting a job are now back in the market. Hmm. Oh, they feel positive, so they jump back in. They're like, okay, hmm. now Trump's changing this. I'm not sure how that works with the actual numbers, because no, I think a lot it. of it has to do with your, if you're claiming unemployment. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Actually, so, I, so they're coming back in and, and now. What's starting interesting to is he spent a lot of time running for president, saying those those numbers were fake. They are fake, and now they put out the exact same numbers, and he's all over them when they're positive. Well, but, but he's like, these are awesome numbers. Those numbers are actually going down, but it is yeah. positive because the people that just had given up on on jobs. They're now trying to find a job. You know why that is going to look worse. You know why that is? Why? Because in their last job interview, when the interviewer said, "We really don't want you for this position," they ended it by by adding, "But I mean that in the best way possible." Or just kidding, J.K. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great it's a great technique. I mean that I'm going to have to let you go, Uh, and I mean that in the best way possible. I had one of those meetings. It didn't work. Did you not feel better? No, not at all. Are you still mad about it? Mm, I might be harboring some emotions. Oh, good. Yeah, it's luckily, a good, it's a good, healthy way to to cope. You luckily, know? we get to deal with that. <laughs> Here's the bad news I was telling you about. On average, Americans can now expect to live seventy eight point six years, which is statistically a drop of point one year. Whoa. So they're, we're, we're yeah. not living as long as we were. It's got to be cell phone related. No. Cell phone use. O- I, opioids. Well, Ooh. there's two things, Ooh. right? And this, Jeff, listen, because this is a big deal for you. Opioids, 
That's not a big deal for you. <laughs> nachos. Yeah, there's nacho nachos. Nachos is the second reason. No. Yes. No. It's right here. It says they right said here. there's a 20, nachos would never do that to a me. A 21 percent surge in deaths from drug overdoses. And nachos. The main, they say is the main factor. The secondary factor, nachos. Women can now expect to live a full five years longer than men. Rip off. Hmm. Which is unfortunate for for my family because my wife has made it abundantly clear that she wants to go first. Yeah. She doesn't want to be left behind. My wife's the same way. Really? Wow. My wife has just made it abundantly clear that I need to be really well insured. (laughs) You need to take care of me. We don't care what happens to you. Just make sure there's money in the bank. Isn't that funny? Women live five years longer than men, which um, also they're calling the best years of their life. Right. Weird. It's the golden years. It's the golden years. They start years. once he dies. Once once Papa goes, we're going to be rich. <laughs> so apparently uh, it's not a good thing. No. We're not, we're not living as long. And I mean that in the best way possible. Just kidding. JK. <sighs> so much to cover, folks. Hey, straight ahead, we're going to be talking about uh, lone wolves. All of these, you know, these one-off, uh, you know, Events that look like a terrorist attack, much like we saw in Australia, um, but that wasn't deemed a terrorist attack. What what drives somebody to do that? We got to be careful. It's not uh, it's not always religion that makes them so radical. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, you know, the attack on the bike path in lower Manhattan uh, once again caused us all to ask, why do people pledge allegiance to the Islamic State? Uh, the suspect in the attack isn't a devout Muslim, so why wouldn't he, why would he choose to go become a martyr for this cause? And uh, we, we hear about it, we see it in every one of these terroristic uh, acts and these these moments. What draws those people in to go commit such acts? Joining us to talk about it is Jim Gelvin. He's a professor of modern uh, Middle Eastern history, and he has spent the majority of his professional life studying the region, its cultures, society, and politics. In recent years, he has researched and written about IS and um, its terrorist activities. He's joining us today to talk about what is driving lone wolves to the Islamic State. Jim, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Matt. And helping us really understand what's going on. Why, why, what are you finding? What, what does drive some people to turn to the Islamic State? What is the attraction? Well, first off, let me just say that it's an open question. Uh, there's no, nothing definitive about it. Um, what we have to do is separate between those people who join the Islamic State in Iraq or Syria and those who join it from the outside. In Iraq and Syria, there's multiple reasons uh, uh, possible for why they were joined. Uh, everything from uh, the uh, violence that is committed, uh, uh, people who are sociopathic would, would tend to join that. Other people are true believers. Hmm. Some who might be out for sex slaves, for example. Uh, others just like the brutality of the organization. Some people have been blackmailed into joining the organization. Sometimes it's the only job in town uh, to be part yeah. of this organization. Yeah. I mean, it's estimated now that 30% of uh, Syrians 
who have work, which is not a lot, um, uh, are employed by the war economy. And a lot of that is ISIS or the Islamic State. Now, outside of this territory, uh, again, there's, there's two major theories about why people join the state. The first is the radicalization theory, which is probably the one that uh, many of your listeners know. Yeah. Uh, the idea is that uh, somebody uh, over time begins to withdraw from society, withdraw from the networks that he, he has known that has socialized him, like family, uh, friends, etc., etc., and begins to uh, move in a direction whereby he uh, approaches the ideas of ISIS, uh, then uh, slowly gets involved. Maybe there's a recruiter involved in this uh, and comes to adopt those ideas. And so it's a process of radicalization, they say. Now, there's a real problem with this uh, theory, which is the fact that um, it doesn't account for a lot of these people who end up due to joining uh, ISIS. For mm. example, uh, there is a large number of these ISIS recruits uh, who, for example, have performed lone wolf attacks uh, you know, in the West, who have frequented gay bars or um, have Western girlfriends. Right. Or the uh, terrorist who drove a truck in Nice, France, killing 84 people, um, was drinking during Ramadan, which ended uh, only a week before uh, the attack occurred. So they're so, not religious we, radicals. They're not religious zealots. As a matter of fact, there's that famous story about these uh, two recruits for ISIS who uh, ordered Islam for, du for dummies and um, uh, the Quran for dummies uh, right before they took off to go to uh, join ISIS in uh, Syria. So, um, you know, obviously these people were not motivated fully by religion, if they were motivated by religion at all. So the question then comes in, why do people join if they're not motivated by, by the ideology? It's the other theory, besides the radicalization theory, is that people join ISIS because of the sort of culture that ISIS represents. It represents uh, something that they're used to, a gang-like culture for misfits uh, in the West, people who have not been able to adjust to society, people who have a bloodlust of their own, for example. Mm. Um, and so uh, people are drawn to a whole variety of uh, aspects of ISIS life. For example, the brutality, um, the uh, idea of using women uh, for their own pleasure, uh, the idea of being part of the baddest gang on the block, uh, etc. And this is a thing that draws people in. Uh, in addition to perhaps uh, the religious aspects as well. And this also explains the sort of people who end up joining uh, ISIS. These are not the cream of any society. These are not uh, people who uh, have fit into society. These are people who are on the fringes of society, who haven't been able to find work, for example, don't have very many friends, um, have been involved in petty crime for a long time. Hmm. Interesting. And so and then it's really religion and your your faith ideology is just secondary. It's really you're out there for the party and but you got to, you know, toe the line. Yeah, I mean I mean that's 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 undoubtedly true, but who can explain their own motivations for anything anyway? Right. So, uh, you know, these people will probably say, yes, it's the religious aspect of it, but you know, sure this gang activity is great, isn't it? That's uh, interesting. So be, the interesting thing, I guess, about it is we, we want to believe, I mean, maybe the radicalization is a little easier for some to believe because it's, it's about a religion. 
But really, the cultural problem is just as dangerous. It's just as big of a problem, it sounds like. Yes. Um, I mean, that's, that's absolutely the case. And the interesting thing is that there is one country, Denmark, in which uh, they've tried to reintegrate ISIS members. Right. Of course, it's too early to tell how successful the program is. But what the Danes do is, uh, if you don't have blood on your hands and you have, for example, been a member of ISIS, uh, what they will do is provide, for example, psychological counseling. Uh, they will do- provide job training. Uh, they will try to reintegrate you into society in a way that you probably had not been integrated into society before you left uh, to join ISIS. And so it's an interesting idea, uh, and it certainly beats anything that we've been able to come up with in terms of what do we do with these people uh, you know, if they return, once they return, uh, which is getting to be an increasing problem as the Islamic State gets rolled back. Yeah. Is it, I guess, are these, um, depending on the theory you go with, radicalization or kind of just the cultural uh, approach, um, is that how you might get somebody to go in and target these people, is targeting certain people that might have a little bit more antisocial behavior, maybe a little bit more bloodlust? You can go target them and then slowly just show them through videos and the world I mean, and just the media, what the benefits of ISIS are and draw them in. That's exactly how ISIS operates. If you, you know, compare ISIS propaganda to al-Qaeda propaganda, for example, many of your listeners probably remember those tapes of uh, Osama bin Laden reading the Quran, right. uh, very austere in a tent somewhere out in um, either Pakistan or Afghanistan or wherever, wherever he was hiding at the time. Um, Compare that to actually the propaganda that uh, ISIS puts out there or has put out there. Um, that propaganda is, draws attention not to the religious aspects of, of ISIS, but to the brutality of ISIS. I mean, it shows beheadings, for example. It shows the destruction of, of mosques and churches. It shows uh, the slave markets uh, in which women are, are put, uh, captured women are, are, are put. Uh, it, that's the sort of propaganda that they want to do, uh, that, that they're using. And they're using it to a very good effect. Uh, ISIS has even come out with a uh, simulation of Grand Theft Auto, its own version of Grand Theft Auto. Oh, wow. Instead of uh, uh, stealing cars and killing cops, what you do is uh, you target Iraqi soldiers, for example, and and get uh, uh, fire on uh, armored personnel carriers and things like that, Uh, score points by doing that. This goes into, and, and the reason why this is important is, how do you go about effectively uh, mounting a campaign against ISIS, a propaganda campaign, a counter-campaign against ISIS? Now, the American government, uh, the uh, State Department, came out with its own video, uh, and the video uh, it, with the ironic title, Walk, Don't Run to ISIS Land, and it's available to people. Um, uh, all you have to do is go to YouTube to see it. Um, what it shows is uh, the uh, destruction of, of mosques, of beheadings, and things like that, that there's, say, or that the State Department believes will discourage people from joining ISIS. This is an exact simulation of what ISIS's own propaganda is like. 
Uh, so obviously this is a message that ISIS itself wants to get out, that the State Department is replicating. So obviously the message has to be something very, very different, uh, you know, in terms of what, uh, uh, what we can do to counter ISIS propaganda. Right. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Uh, Jim Galvin, who is um, a professor of modern Middle Eastern history at UCLA and is walking us through insights into what draws lone wolves into the Islamic State. And I guess, James, what's also scary about this is um, knowing that they don't need to be fully radicalized religiously. They just need to they, – they could just go want to be a, a lone wolf simply to get their bloodlust out and hang it on the, the nail of ISIS. Yes, that's uh, certainly a, a – a weakness of our propaganda or our counter-propaganda in doing it. But there's also a strength to that, you know, as well. As ISIS gets rolled back, um, people are going to stop joining an organization uh, that is such a target for authorities. In other words, if they are joining because of bloodlust, there are other ways of getting your jollies than going to either going out to Syria or Iraq, which right. people are really doing these days. It's, 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 recruitment is way off. Uh, or, you know, becoming a lone wolf uh, yourself. I mean, there's, there's other ways in which you could bring this stuff about. And this also goes to ultimately why ISIS is going to fail as an organization. Uh, ultimately, what's going to happen is that people are not going to join something that has very, very slim possibility of achieving its aims. Um, we've seen this in the past with the anarchist movement, for example, that wanted to destroy capitalism, wanted to destroy the nation-state system. They were uh, involved in acts of terror um, uh, in the 19th century and the 20th century, and slowly anarchism began to die out simply because people are not going to sacrifice their lives for a cause that's not going to win. Hmm. It's true. Do we, I mean, where would they go then? I mean, I guess they just need the next cause. Well, or uh, no cause whatsoever. I mean, Crypt and Bloods, for example. True. Um, it's, it's, it is a gang culture, basically. So uh, this is just another sort of, of, of street gang that um, uh, they would, would end up joining. I think one of the things that we, we tend to forget is that the foundation for ISIS is not just a religious foundation. I mean, yes, they have religious doctrines. Yes, the leader of the group, uh, who may or may not still be alive, uh, al-Baghdadi, um, uh, is a, somebody who's trained in the religious sciences. That's, that's absolutely true. But on the other hand, a large proportion of the leadership uh, came out of the Iraqi army, uh, both as uh, officers and as uh, people who were enlisted. The officers, for example... Uh, were banned from employment um, uh, after the American occupation of of Iraq. Mm. Uh, And so really, you know, two things. Number one, didn't have their jobs anymore as military officers. And number two, resented very much both the American occupation and the uh, Shi-controlled government of Iraq. So they certainly had motivation for joining up uh, alongside of the religious people. Uh, a lot of the foot soldiers were literally foot soldiers before the um, uh, ISIS was, was formed. Uh, they were uh, part of the uh, Iraqi army. Um, they had been conscripted. There was universal conscription in Iraq. 
Uh, and um, uh, when the Americans invaded, they uh, disbanded the military. And so these people were without jobs, without anything. Uh, the one thing the Americans forgot to do, though, was to confiscate the weapons. So they had their weapons. They were unemployed. They had deep huh. resentment over yeah. the Americans and the Iraqi government. And they joined up with the religious fanatics. Perfect. Yeah, it was like the perfect storm. Yeah, exactly. And and with enough ammo and fuel to create some major problems. What can we do going forward um, with the lone wolves, or as Rand Corporation prefers to call them, the flaming bananas? Um, what do we what do we do? Because I mean, these people, you know, they could end up just doing, you know, U.S. terrorism and not even tie it to anything else. How do we? How do we watch out for them? How do we, how do we fight against it? You put your finger on a real problem here. I mean, um, very early on, I think the question of terrorism was ill-defined, actually defined wrong. Um, we declared a global war on terrorism um, after 9-11. And the problem is that terrorism is not a thing that you can really declare war on. Terrorism mm. is a tactic that people use. Uh, sometimes it's used for national liberation struggles. Sometimes it's used for activities such as ISIS or al-Qaeda, uh, some weird religious ideology. But nevertheless, it is a tactic. And as one wag put it, America is very successful when it makes war on proper nouns, mm-hmm. uh, when it makes war on Germany or Japan. We were very good at that. It's when we try to wage war on common nouns, like a war on cancer, a war on drugs, uh, a war on poverty, that we run into a great deal of difficulty. The same thing with the war on terrorism. Terrorism is a crime. It should be treated as a crime. In other words, what can be done is uh, law enforcement uh, can uh, work on it, uh, can try to break up some of these networks, can try to prevent as much as it possibly can. But with the understanding, like just like murder or robbery or rape, these things are going to happen. And uh, what we have to do is to understand that these things, unfortunately, happen. Over time, um, as I said before, um, these things work according to fashion, actually, believe it or not. They go in and out of style. Um, and so, for example, uh, 50 years ago, um, when uh, you talked about terrorism, you did talk about national liberation uh, sort of stuff, uh, which, for example, uh, 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 colonies um, would um, send over people to the mainland, to Britain or to France or whatever, to commit acts of terrorism for national liberation. The whole strategy on terrorism comes out of the Fenian struggle, the Irish um, uh, uh, self-rule people uh, in the 19th, uh, 19th century. So, um, you know, uh, that was something that happened. It went out of style um, you know, over time. Uh, the, you had secular nationalisms uh, that were very, very potent in the Middle East. Now you have these religious movements that also tend to be you know, very, very powerful. They speak a similar language, actually, in many cases, to the national liberation movements. Uh, so, you know, again, these are something that we have now that we'll be dealing with now. But over time, it's very likely that they'll be replaced by something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess be careful. We must be very careful 
about oversimplifying and and making it about a Muslim ban or a or whatever. I mean, there's so many other things at play here. Well, Jim, we appreciate you. Jim Galvin, thank you for your great insight. Uh, this is the true benefit of having somebody that studies it full-time, 24-7, uh, and we appreciate you. James L. Galvin is a professor, again, of modern Middle Eastern history at UCLA and um, uh, author of the most recent book, The New Middle East, What Everyone Needs to Know, that came out on uh, University Oxford University Press. Appreciate it, and so much to learn, my friends. Really, sometimes the uh, the most simple answer isn't always the right answer either, right? Be careful. Be careful. We'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the program. Uh, you know, we, we end up doing a lot of stories on, on the Matt Townsend Show about Florida. And so they seem to be getting a reputation that yes. they're just kind of lawless, crazy <laughs> things going on. There's always a weird story that involves a ham mm-hmm. and somebody getting stabbed. Well, and, and I, I go through all those stories that I see. And then I filter the ones that are more appropriate for yeah. what we're trying to yeah. do here. I leave out all the meth-induced stories. Right. There's a lot of those. But but nope. I mean, really, on average, probably fairly normal. It's just most states aren't reporting right. like Florida reports. And because of some laws and some uh, public access to documents from the police department, yeah. we get all these stories. And I'm for this. This is great. I think this yeah. is funny. We can see just what crazy people, you know, live in what this country. Like, right. Except they're all in Florida. So, oh, well. Uh, so this article, 17 most Florida things to happen in 2017. News 6 out of Orlando put this together. Okay. So they're living this so, yeah, reality. So we didn't make this up. No. This, this is, is if, go and, call and, News 6. And we've covered a lot of these stories on the show. Right. Which is another thing. It's kind of a year-end review of our Florida stories. Yeah. I've cut a lot out because, you know... Just not appropriate to go through these stories, but they're funny. Um, so here's a few of them. A Florida sheriff had to warn people not to shoot their guns at Hurricane Irma. Yeah. And I mean, they, that makes sense. And then I they remember had, that one. They had graphics showing that the swirling motion would probably just send the bullet flying back in your direction or towards somebody you would not try to hit with the <laughs> bullet. You know what I mean? But maybe if you if you shot it enough... You'd move the hurricane away. Well, yeah, that was the uh, that's what they thought. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there was fun. Uh, another one: a Walmart employee found a five foot dead shark in the parking lot. What Sharknado? It was in a shopping cart. Yeah, as if someone unloaded it from their truck and just drove away. Hmm. Where did you leave that shark? <laughs> it's in the parking lot. A lady got arrested for a DUI while riding a horse. <laughs> just wandering down the side of the road. Well, that's not the first time that's happened. No, but it's still funny. At least it wasn't yeah. a lawnmower. Right. We've seen that There's one. Tons of those. Uh, this guy got charged for eating pancakes in the middle of the road. <laughs> there was a photograph of a guy. He just walked out there with a little chair and a table, sat down, middle of an inter- intersection, just ate some pancakes. What, what is the charge? Obstructing traffic. I don't know. Yeah. Illegal Disor- use of syrup. Disorderly conduct. Yeah. He needed to comb his hair. Mm-hmm. It was a little, little disheveled there a bit. Uh, a toothless woman was arrested after deputies found her dentures in a stolen car. 
Really? Yeah, they just match DNA. Actually, they probably just probably popped them right back in. Oh, they fit like a charm. The United States. Dentures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a uh, alligator jumped up and hit the wing of a plane as it landed at Orlando International Airport. Wow. Yeah. That's some jump. It's quite a jump. They found the, and they know this because they found the gator. It was dead. Yeah, it, it had. hit an airplane. Unbelievable. Uh, a lady was arrested for throwing hot nacho cheese at a 7-Eleven employee. <gasps> oh. Is her last name Simpson? Does not say. It did not look any like resemblance to uh, Jeff here. So, Interesting. That sounds good. I think I'm going to get me some nachos today. Just don't throw them at 7-Eleven employees. Yeah. They're, they have a tough <laughs> life as it is. They have to stock the chips. Uh, 15 pounds of frozen Italian sausage fell through a family's roof. That's right. I remember that, that wasn't uh, ever really explained as to. Well, how do you explain that? Well, obviously it fell out of an airplane, but or no. did it? Huh? What do you mean, or did it? I don't know. <laughs> Where's it going to come from? <laughs> and the final story I pulled: this guy told police he stole a forklift because he was tired of walking. Oh yeah, we had that story. Plus, so now he heavy can lifting. he can just drive at five miles per hour with beeping. Yeah, beep, the whole beep. time. <laughs> you can turn that off. Yeah. Crazy stuff, folks. So if you ever wondered, you know, is, is it you or is is the rest of the world suffering? Is it you or is it Florida? It's Florida. It's Florida. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I think we're all suffering a little bit. Well, stick with us. We'll continue the journey as we all suffer together. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. You know, um, it's it's the season. Tis the season. To be jolly, and uh, so hopefully, as you're as you're getting your final uh, presents purchased, as you're trying to make sure you're doing, you know, you, you got to play the part. And as you're getting through all of this, let's let's just all take a step back and maybe find a little bit of time to to actually breathe. Maybe find a, t- a little bit of time to appreciate what's going on in your life. It does seem pretty hectic. It does seem chaotic. There are always the weird stories that come out. You still may have issues with what's going on in the world uh, politically and uh, globally, what's going on. But in the end, you're still pretty lucky. And when you look at it, uh, my wife and I even recently have been sitting there doing a little comparison of trials and blessings. And after taking a really strong inventory, we realized that uh, we'd pretty much rather have our problems than other people's problems. And so um, if you ever find yourself getting down this season, maybe do a serious intake of everything you have been given. Start noticing two or three things a day that you are grateful for. And if I were you, I'd even write them down, a little gratitude journal, a little anything that can keep them on top of mind for you. Um, I think it'll help. It's it's a great season. It's a great time, and uh, for others, it's it's a time you silently suffer. But um, I think each and every one of us should be more grateful this time of year. Not just because there's a tax uh, benefit coming out, but maybe just simply because you've been given the great gift of your talents, your gifts, your family, the area you live, the fact that you can read, the fact that you have so many other things at uh, at your at your reach and at your hand. Anyway, a little thing to remember for all of us. We're continuing this, uh, our goal of just trying to elevate the conversation, elevate the game. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Happy Thursday to you. Dr. Matt here along with Terry and Jeff. The gang has gathered. And uh, as we now, we'd like to welcome everybody to opening exercises for the day. Yes. This is where we... There's not much exercising involved. Yeah. It's kind of open sitting. Standing. Standing for you two. I sit uh, to to rest my legs from my really difficult journey to work today. The 50 feet from your car to the building. Yes. Exhausting. By the way, uh, we had snow in Utah, mm-hmm. and it's fun to drive in snow again. Yeah, you get to run red lights because yeah. uh, it's too late to break, so you just say the you heck gotta, with it. Yeah, you <laughs> got to do it. And interesting thing, people are okay with it to a degree. Mm. I mean, just do it just safely. Reckless, right? Do it safely. So I saw a car wreck yesterday right in front of me. Really? Yeah, I was Ooh. trying to get out of a parking lot. Someone like misjudged when they took off, and they got t-boned. Oh. And uh, I just went, huh? Well, there's nothing. That sound is the worst sound. Yeah, it was loud. I was like, whoa. So then I uh, just like that threw it in reverse, went out a different direction out of the parking lot. You didn't like go see if you could help. There was or? other people. They were fine. They got out of their cars. <laughs> they were fine. Yeah, yeah. They didn't need me getting in there. One of the cars was smoking when uh, out of the engine. Yeah. I mean, so the hit was Steam, big probably. enough that yeah, but everyone was fine. No big deal. And I left, yeah. Well, that was very noble of you. I, my wife had to get to work. <laughs> I had things to do. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's the season. and um, I had guacamole in exciting. the car. Oh, really? Yeah. That's well, going to cause an accident right there. Guacamole emergency. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about what was with the guac? What were well, you We had with? fish tacos last night. Got us mm. some guac, right? I guess you do. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I had to try it. Okay, go on. Um, now I don't remember what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, distract you with guacamole. Well, now I'm thinking, yeah, I probably need to go get some guac today. With some nacho cheese? Ooh, do the guac walk. Mm. That's always a fun Wow. What was that? It was an interlude. We're transitioning to another topic. I still don't recognize it. Just playing. Is that just like a, just an interlude, really? And I mean, it... That, the song was that good with a cold. Imagine what it oh, would have yeah. sounded like without the cold. Yeah. No. It's all it's good. Um okay, have you guys ever not to not to change the subject, hmm. but uh, changing to, it to change anyways, the yes. subject. Um have you ever had your kids have you ever felt like they were bullying you? Yes. All the time. <laughs> like they like they owned you. Oh, well no. My five-year-old lately has been repeating things that we say, but in a mocking tone. Give us an example. Well, uh, if we were to say something like, get your seatbelt on, she'll say, get your seatbelt on. Yeah. You know what you do right then? Slam on the brakes. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that. He flew out of his seat. I go, see why I told you to buckle up? See, that's how parents used to do it. See, they pad the back of those seats, so it's really not that big a deal. As her face smashes into the seat. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. Yeah, but she sits in the middle, so there is no seat in oh, front wow. of her. She comes flying into the infotainment system. So she's just getting a little mouthy. Yeah. I wonder where, she's, I wonder where she gets that. It's interesting. Does she do multiple voices? 
Um, she will speak in different languages. Really? Quote. She's like quotes. she's like multilingual. It's mainly just. Oh, that's Spanish, Dad. <laughs> hmm. Not even close. Not to be rude. <laughs> and you um, mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible. So today we're going to be talking uh, and revisiting an interview we did with uh, Sean Grover, who um, is going to teach us why parents let their kids bully them. So if your kids are bullying you, it's it's kind of your fault. Right? Mm. You're in the role of is leading, he, and you've got to lead the kids. Is he saying grow a spine? Grow a spine. Okay. And and learn how to correct and learn how to discipline. Hmm. Because if you don't, you've set yourself up for a world of problems. Well, there are those studies in the workplace of workplace bullies who get promoted yeah. and do very well at their jobs. So maybe by letting our children bully us, hmm. we're helping set them up on a path toward a ma- success. Like a we're, management track. Yes. We're securing their future. Yeah. So so. <laughs> Is that the rationale? Like, I'm just going to let my kid, wow, she sure got management potential because she sure beats me up every day. It's creating confidence in their abilities. Yeah. I think what we're creating is a monster, Mm. the likes of which can only be matched by the Donald Trump animatronics at the Disney uh, Hall Hall of of Presidents. Presidents. See, I wouldn't call it stealing lunch money. I would just call it redistributing lunch money. She's really good at acquiring new money. Yes. Theft. Redistribution. Yeah. Robbery. Larceny. Giving, you know, rob from the rich. It's Robin Hood. Give it to the poor, right? They're just, just, well, I guess, do they keep the money? Probably. If they keep it, then there's the problem. But really, your five-year-old's not into the money. Your five-year-old's like, hey, I want some fruit snacks. By the way, we have a story coming up about somebody returning money. Oh, good. Mm Mm-hmm. See? We're going to touch it all today, folks. Uh, but before we get to all of these fun stories and teach you how to uh, not let your kids bully you, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? Republican leaders Wednesday defused the simmering Obamacare crisis that's threatened to keep both chambers in session through Christmas. Through year-end policy items, remain, though uh, policy items remain in flux, key Senate Republicans agree to drop demands for a contentious year-end Obamacare fix, likely allowing this House and the Senate to avert an 11th-hour uh, showdown over government funding, which expires Friday. Oh, the Senate bill intended to prop up Obamacare will no longer be jammed into this week's government funding scramble, Senator Susan Collins of Maine uh, conceded Wednesday afternoon. Instead, Collins said she hopes to force a vote on the subsidies bill in January. The promise of those bills was how the Republican leadership got, got Collins' vote in favor of the tax how bill did that they just do passed, it? right? Yeah. They told her, we'll, we'll shore up Obamacare so it doesn't fall apart. That's what her big complaint was with the right. health care bills right. they put forward. And now we've got to the point like, okay, you've got your bill. What about mine? Well, we'll wait till we get back from vacation. And she's oh. like, okay. So how's I wouldn't this mess work? with her. You, they've only got a one vote margin anyway, really, right? Yeah. Or a two vote margin. You can't make Susan Collins mad. No. House Republican leaders uh, will have a hard sales job to persuade their fractured conference to swallow another kick the can down the road spending bill because that now they're they're trying to make it so they'll deal with this on like the 11th or 15th of January when yeah. they get back. Now instead that's of dealing with it now, American. Yeah, we know how to kick a can. Procrastinate, push it down the road, whatever. So that's what they're doing with the funding bills to keep the government running. 
So they just gonna they'll just keep piecemealing it a little here, a little there. Let's just keep doing. It. Nobody wants to make the big tough decisions. No. Yeah. Or they can't get everyone to agree on what those decisions should be. Right. It's now numerically impossible for Roy Moore to win a re- recount of votes in the U.S. Senate election. He lost to a Democratic candidate, Doug Jones. Really? Alabama's Secretary of State announced Wednesday that his office had received 4,967 provisional ballots and that no additional ballots were eligible to be received. As the Washington Examiner reported, that figure is well below the number needed to trigger a recount, let alone overcome the 20,000-vote lead that Jones has over Roy Moore. 20,000. He has a 20,000-vote lead. that close. Roy Moore, there was another 5,000 absentee yeah. extra votes that came yeah. in, even if every single one of those votes were no. for him, which they weren't. Yeah. So, math, well, he can't win by math. Did, did Roy say anything? Uh, he has not. He's just probably away at the mall. Yeah. Doing some shopping. Yeah. So, yeah, Roy Moore, you can't win because of math. You know, there, there is a point. I mean, there, there's going to be a point that they're going to seat uh, repre- or, yeah, Senator Jones. Doug Jones on the third, possibly. Yeah, and it seems like about that point, Moore ought to be making a statement before then. Hmm. Like, you know. He's gathering money because they're going to get a recount. But okay. if you're, let's just say your political career is over. Yes. Would he, is there any benefit to making some sort of a statement? Well, part of the statement could be the launch of your new. <laughs> Running your shoes? new business. Okay. New radio show, Did you new hear? website, I mean, new whatever. I mean, he could, he might have a pony sh- uh, show where he Him and brings his horses. And sassy his horse sassy his ho- to your well, kid's birthday party. The horse he rode. There's some concern on whether that was actually his horse or not. Well, he the didn't horse look like didn't you. look like they were friends. Yeah, they were kind of awkward together. So we'll see. <laughs> sassy. In other news, uh, three judges and a sloppily filled-in ballot have erased Shelley Simon's dramatic one-vote Virginia House win that made headlines on Tuesday, the New York Times reports. Republican incumbent David Yancey held a 10-vote lead after Election Day for Virginia's 94th House District. Yeah, he had it wrapped up. But a recount Tuesday gave challenger Simons a one-vote win. Come on. And Democrats a 50-50 tie in the Virginia House. Right. The recount ended 17 years of Republican control in in the Virginia House as the Washington Post notes. But on Wednesday, Republicans took the recount result to court over a ballot that had been discarded by election officials during the recount. Hanging Chad, probably. The problem, bubbles for both Yancey and Simons had been filled in. Judges on Wednesday ruled that the ballot should be counted as a vote for Yancey. Simons' bubble had a strike through it, and all other votes on the ballot were for Republicans. Mm. So it looks as if someone made a mistake yeah. and they voted for Democrat there. Oh, no, no, no. Crossed it out and voted Republican. They said because of that, they tossed the ballot out. The judge put the ballot back into play. The, the judge may be appointed by a GOP Congress or, <laughs> or state, a Congress. state house. Yeah. yeah. Yancey and Simons are now tied at 11,608 votes Uh-oh. each. Yeah. The chairman of Virginia's Board of Elections says this will most likely involve picking a name out of a bowl. Whoever loses the drawing can still petition for a second recount. So likely oh, they're going to come together. Yeah. And they're just draw numbers or yeah. whatever. It, the system is in the in their constitution for Virginia. It says they, the, the lots will like be Like a lotto ball? Cat. They that got would cast be fun. Lot. That'd be fun to do like a lotto ball. 
Dude, that would be great. Or why don't they just go? I mean, Virginia is one of the oldest states in uh, the United States. Right. Why don't they just go back to the old school? Like doing a duel? like a leg wrestle. Oh, okay. Or a uh, trivia contest. I'm gonna do a duel. <laughs> It'd be fun shooting each other. <laughs> Let's not do a duel. Yeah. Except it would be the highest turnout. It would. It'd be awesome. In they voter history. Watch it live on the news. Well, it could come down to just drawing a name. Yeah. Well, they're gonna probably do, end up doing a second recount. Yeah. But I mean, at some point, you're gonna come out to the same number, right? Except they were ten off, and now they're even. Who's right? counting? Yeah, that's been, come on, probably man. the bigger problem. I'm here. I'm holding out for rock paper scissors. Yeah, that's a great one. I don't know. Lots of primaries. Uh, there were several primaries this through the presidential cycle that were dealt with. They just had a coin flip, flip a coin because they okay flip it. And I, and you, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like that's how you should solve it. But well, if you can't talk if it's tied, and find yeah. a better way to do it, then let's just either leg wrestle or flip it. And finally, the Associated Press reported Wednesday that Turkish government wants to imprison Turkish-born NBA player Enes Kanter for insulting the country's president, uh, President Erdogan. Erdogan's regime is now apparently pursuing Kanter for humiliating tweets about the president, and the government reportedly wants at least a four-year sentence for the New York Knicks center who will be tried in absentia. Yeah. In mm. response to this news, Kanter tweeted in Turkish, add another four years on there for me if you can. Basically. Wow. In August 2016, Cantor tweeted his support for exiled Turkish cleric uh, Gulian is his last name. He lives in Pennsylvania, uh, whom the Turkish government blames for a failed coup last summer. This past May, he was re- uh, detained, or uh, Enes Cantor was detained in Romania after his Turkish passport was revoked, which he claimed was related to his vocal criticism of the president of Turkey. Well, okay. There's, but there's a lot of people that would like to. Get rid of Cantor. Right. <laughs> I mean, LeBron James can't stand it. Yeah, he, he, he basically, it seems like uh, Ennis Cantor tweets at the government of Turkey and then at LeBron at James LeBron making James. fun of him. And then wow. at Utah Jazz fans don't like him. Right. He, he used talks, to play here and he then he talked, left. You know. Trash. Major trash. Right. About Utah. So maybe, you know, maybe we ought to turn him over. Do you just deport him? Yeah. Send him back? Yeah. He can play ball for Turkey. <laughs> For the Turkey, for the Turkish detentional well, they, facility, they, they've cut him out of the Olympic team. Yeah, and he's probably their best player. Yeah, on the world stage, playing so. in the NBA, right? So, oh well, oh well. So Turkey won't have such a great team this year. <laughs> I just found it funny they're going after an NBA player. That's kind of exciting, is it? I mean, it's more interesting than when he tweets at LeBron James yeah. and then goes out to play LeBron James and LeBron scores thirty and he scores four. Right. That's not even fun to watch. But no. if you could have an entire government against you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now that would be exciting. Maybe he just if you just be quiet and just play, let his play do his talking. Ooh. That's what Jeff does. Apparently his play isn't so good, though. Or spotty, if you will. Yeah. Now, you're, you're talking about Ennis, not yeah. Jeff. Well, I'm universal. Jeff, no, but Jeff's ball playing. He, he was one of the stars of our softball team. Really? It's true. I kept, I kept hearing well, about injuries. Well, and, the leg injury. I was willing to bleed and ooze for that team. Well, well, you were the only one that was sliding in shorts. Yeah. And then we had the, the staff infection. I was safe, by the way, yeah. and we went on to win the game. Yeah. So, see? Thank you, the Jeff. slide heard round the campus. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a screech. Ah! <laughs> yeah, those that was I remember hearing that. Mm. Um, 
so Jeffrey likes uh, – he, he has a very special role on the show. And he's having a really hard day. I'm just going to – I'm going to just – I'm going to remove the veil a little bit. Uh, Jeff's got a very busy day today. And then I've put an extra burden on him tomorrow um, because tomorrow he has to fill in for me. Sick. Because I have an emergency. But I'll be sick. And he he's sick. Um, not to mention he also has a cold. Wait a minute. But he um, – and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. <sighs> but – so I appreciate that, Jeff. I really do. And the bread that you and your family made for our family, wonderful, beautiful stuff. Perfect. Yes. Anyway, um, so we're going to make your job a little easier today, a little lighter. Let's just, let's just do a light review of the empty news. Something a, a just light review. casual, laid back, so you don't have to do as much work. Okay. Um, how would you like to make your life easier? Well, how about a, a pre-recorded Silver Lining Cinema segment from Screen Cleaning? I think it sounds like a beautiful idea. Well, Christmas is upon us, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've already been watching all of your Christmas favorites, but there are a lot of films out there that people would never consider watching for Christmas. Or they've seen it and they'll never watch it again. Right. But... I want to try to shine a spotlight on these films that other people would just consider horrible and bad and unwatchable. And I want to try to put a positive spin in it. Well, that's noble of you. Yeah. So this is a little segment called uh, Silver Lining Cinema, and I will be reviewing the film Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Uh-uh. Ugh. Uh-huh. So this movie, back in 1964, spent $200,000 to make this movie. And let's just say it really shows. Oh. And that's not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I am all for saving as much money as you possibly can. And right off the bat, it becomes very apparent that they were also very interested in saving money. Nice. Uh, you know, the... Mars, it's full of these these rocks and scenery that it's clearly paper mache. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Martians have these hats that have this um, the sink piping that represents uh, uh, their antennae. Oh, and so clearly it looks like a bunch of families got together and just put together these costumes and the sets. You can tell that there were a lot of good family nights that went into this film. Little Johnny got to make some of those rocks. And it's full, and I mean just full, of stock footage of, you know, ships and rockets taking off. And I'm totally okay with that because it's there. Why not use it? it just, why yeah. go? Why shoot all this new footage when you have all this great footage that's just sitting there on the shelf that nobody's going to use? Um, there's, there's a shot... Of a uh, of a spaceship that looks like it's just a baked potato wrapped in foil <laughs> on a wire, but that's a good thing because it allows us to not be distracted by all this CGI and to just be able to focus on the story. And who now, doesn't like potatoes? Right. So getting to that story, the story of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. 
Martians kidnap Santa Claus mm. so that their kids can have presents on Christmas. And the reason they do this is because they see their kids watching all these Earthling programs on television, and it's rotting their brains. Mm. So they want their kids to be able to play with these toys and get out and be more active. So they kidnap Santa Claus. And again, great messages. Don't watch as much TV. Get outside. Play with yeah. toys. That's, all good messages. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Let's talk about the casting. There's a scene where they go, the Martians, they go and consult this 800-year-old Martian. And you would think, okay, they're just going to get some really super old guy to play this. Which, you know, old people get all the roles these days. All the old people roles. They get them. So they took a middle-aged man, slapped some makeup on him and said, you know, talk in this really screechy, high-pitched voice. And they let they finally gave a role to a middle aged man. I love that. Yeah, so much. No, no typecasting. I love no. that. No, I love how accessible Santa Claus is in this. The movie starts out with a TV reporter okay. going to the North Pole, knocking on Santa Claus's workshop, wow. uh, the door, and uh, just has like this five seems like maybe ten or twenty minute interview that just really goes on and on. And it just shows to me that Santa Claus is really accessible. Yeah, and I like that. I love that. I love that. There's a polar bear that, that looks like it's going to grab these children at one point of the movie, but it's clearly just a man in a polar bear suit. You always see those messages at the end of the film that says, no animals were harmed in the making of this film. I saw that, and I knew, without even having to see that disclaimer, no animals were harmed in the making of this film because no animals were used in the making of this film. That's awesome. And then one other thing that I think I would mention is um, there's this robot that they enlist the help of to try to capture these children who mm-hmm. have who have escaped. And it looked exactly like a robot I made when I was in third grade. That is so charming. I <clears throat> Okay, I, I'm okay now. Yeah, that, that is It awesome. took me back great memories. Anything that can make me feel good about my childhood. When you think of a bully, you probably picture a big person towering over you, maybe, you know, twice your age, twice your height, pushing you around on the playground as a kid. But have you ever thought that a bully can take the shape of an adorable person, one third of your size living right in your own home? More and more parents these days don't realize they're actually letting their own children bully them and fill their homes with screaming, kicking, and a flood of tears. A few months ago, I uh, spoke with Sean Grover, a psychotherapist and author of the book, When Kids Call the Shots, How to Seize Control from Your Darling Bully and Enjoy Parenting Again. I began the interview by asking Sean how common it is for kids to bully their parents. Boy, I thought it was a a small population here in Manhattan, but uh, it's Everywhere I go, parents are confessing and opening up. I was speaking up at a school uptown uh, last night, and I asked how many parents uh, let, you know, experience this kind of thing, and, and they shamefully raise their hands and look away. I, it's just unbelievable. I, did you ever do that to your parents? <sighs> I don't think so. Mine, I, just, I realize if I just treat them really nice and, and stay busy, they won't bug me. Then I would just do everything behind their backs. <laughs> it was pretty smart psychology. 
That's good. Or maybe a, a red boar light would be exactly. helpful if the kid comes at you. Exactly. That's what you need. So when you look at this, Sean, and in your book you talk about it, what what's going on with this? Why are kids why why are why are we giving them so much power? Why are they and how you know why are they taking over the role? Well, I, I you know nature puts parents and kids on a collision collision course, right? You have to do things your kids don't want to do. So if you if you look at like when they're learning to walk, as soon as they learn to walk, what happens? They don't want to hold your hand. They want to yeah, run. They got to be free. As soon as they feed themselves, you can't feed them anymore. So there's always this conflict. So that has not really changed. Kids sort of push back. We're calling it bully here, but it's really pushing back against the sense of being controlled. What's changed, uh, what I've seen, I really feel it's a backlash against authoritarian parenting of the past. Hmm. So if you had a, a parent that was a real tyrant, you made a vow in your childhood that I am never going to be like that person. So what happens, a lot of parents go so far the other direction where they're too accommodating, too generous, too giving, and they don't set any limits. Hmm. Uh, you see this in public often. It's, it's hard to avert your eyes. With yeah. some of these meltdowns. So really, it's it's kind of, it's just echoes from the past. I'm trying to not parent the way I was parented, but I might be. So if we had a lot of authoritarian parents uh, back in the day, then we now might be more likely to be kind of too loose, too free, wanting to be our kids' friends, not their parents. That's certainly, you know, one of the cases. I think the other case would be the uh, if you grew up with an absent parent or neglectful parent where you really didn't have a parenting model to internalize. So uh, now you're a parent, you have no access to how to do that because there's this empty space. So what happens in those situations, children want leadership, they crave leadership, the parent doesn't provide it, and they start to defer parenting decisions to the child. What do you think? Do you want to do that? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? And they keep deferring until a child begins to feel more powerful than the parent. Hmm. Now you have this imbalance that just starts to turn the whole family upside down. Oh, and you do see it. And I mean, I guess part of this is, and you bring it up in your article that was on psychology today, uh, parents, their places are in the right heart. I mean, their heart, their, their <laughs> heart is in the right place. They just don't, it's almost like they don't know that they have, that they're part of this problem. That's right. Well, the amazing thing about parents, I go out and do workshops all over the city and in the area, and I, I ask, how many of your parents went to parenting workshops? How many of your parents stayed up late to come to a school and listen to someone talk about parenting? It just didn't happen. So on one hand, parenting used to be just a check on a list on your way to adulthood. Now I'm a parent. Let's continue on. But people are really starting to examine it and question their choices. And I think that that's really powerful. Hmm. No, I do too. I mean, especially because the information is there uh, in your book and, and in other places. It's, I guess, part of this is just being aware enough to realize I can do something different here. I don't just have to be bullied. That's right. I mean, the, the bullying or the mistreatment is just a symptom of an imbalance. So the way I like to think of it, when that thing happens, rather than uh, if you take the position like I have to fix my kid, how do I fix my kid? You've got a long labyrinth <laughs> to work your way through. But if you say something like something's missing, something's missing here, what, am I, what could I do differently? 
it's amazing when the parenting model shifts, the change you see in the child is uh, is much faster. Is it, I mean, and I guess it would be hard to make sure you don't swing back to authoritarian or, That's you know, right. back to uh, neglectful again, <laughs> like just ignoring your child. You really want to swing to the middle. That's right. You want to swing to the middle and you have to realize that every family has its own culture. So uh, how you parent is going to be very unique to your personality and personality of your children. So it's very hard to create a one-size-fits-all in terms of parenting. We can have some basic guidelines, but we really want to honor and question what kind of culture do you want to have in your family? What's the philosophy driving your family? That's much easier to intervene at that level Mm. than, again, trying to come down on the children. And and the kids need this too, right? This isn't just for you to parent better. I mean, the kids want you to not – they don't want to be – abusive. They don't want to be mean. They don't want to take advantage oh, of you. Yeah. They, they want you to be healthy. Absolutely. They, if a child abuses their parents, their self-esteem is going to plummet. No child wants a parent they can kick around. They internalize their parent. So if the parent doesn't have backbone, they become more and more aggressive toward the parent. Um, so they will actually push until a limit is set. You know, I was running an adolescent group once, and uh, there was a young man in the group who didn't have any limits. He was out all night. He was only 15, mm. all over the city. And one week he didn't come. And uh, all the other boys, teenagers, are saying, oh, what a life this kid has. I wish I had that. So I said to them, how about I talk to your parents and get you his life? I get them to agree to all those freedoms for you. And they became outraged. My parents would never do that. And we argued about it. And I said, why not? And one quiet girl raised her hand and said, because my parents love me. Mm. So the idea that limits are not punishment, these are necessary psychological requirements. Kids can't control themselves naturally. They need to be a little bit afraid of their parents. So they have a mindful pause before they're going to do something destructive. If they don't have those limits and parents don't step up, then they're going to be much more impulsive, much more destructive, and carry that kind of behavior into their adult relationship. Mm. This has repercussions far beyond adolescence or childhood. And, and yeah, and, and these are also fairly typical behavioral, you know, kind of developmental stages, right? I mean, kids need, they're, they're going to rebel at certain stages. They're going to push the limits at certain stages. They're going to want to not have you controlling them at certain stages. That's right. And you want a little defiance. You want your child to be a little defiant. This way they're asserting themselves, they're defining themselves. Uh, If they're too compliant and too accommodating to you, you're more likely going to see a child that lacks self-confidence. So they may be, uh, you may feel great about having such an agreeable child, but out in the world they may really struggle to have a voice. Mm. Boy, when they need it most, huh? Absolutely, especially in adolescence. So what do we do? How do we, um, you know, seize control again from the darling bully? All right. Well, first, uh, we're going to look at bullying as an imbalance, right? So I I usually go through a five-point checklist, which is uh, the first point would be tension outlets. Does a child have enough physical activity? And a cardio workout three times a week, 30 minutes, will cut anxiety and depression by 80% Hmm. in kids. So if that kid's anxious or uptight, 
he's holding all that tension in his body. He's going to be more impatient, less flexible, and more aggressive. So first thing, are they moving? Uh, second thing would be, is there enough structure in the household? What's family communication like? Do they have family meetings? Third thing we want to look at is models and mentors. That's the express lane to getting a kid on track. I've seen kids go from being drug dealers to ballet dancers because a mentor came into their life. Hmm. Fourth thing we want to look at is then learning diagnostics. A lot of these disruptive behaviors can be traced back to under-the-radar learning disabilities like processing, auditory functioning, etc. Once we check all of those, those lists off, then we're going to take a look at the parent, take a look at their marriage. I can't tell you how many parents, kids have told me the secrets they've shared Hmm. Uh, about the other parent. Yeah. So uh, what a nightmare. What oh. a nightmare. So it's interesting. So the, the parent's marriage is a gauge of, of what the kid's going through. Yeah. And, you know, they come to therapy because they, they want the kid fixed instead of, like, dropping the car off. Right. And they, they're in for a big surprise. Last year I had this young man. I said, you know, if you want to have a meeting with your parents – we can always do that, and I'll, I'll help you, you know, express things that you're worried about. And he got very excited, and uh, parents came in, sat on the couch opposite him, and they said, okay, we'd like to talk about him doing his homework. And this young man, barely 17 years old, said, we're not talking about that. We're talking about you guys. I know you hate each other. Wow. Oh, my God. I almost fell. Yeah. I didn't even see that coming. But there was so much tension in that house psychic tension that sort of erupts in children that they, they can't tolerate it. And so they become super aggressive. So we really want to look, again, we have this symptom, where could it be generating from? Often, hmm. it's a disagreement between the parents or uh, tension between our two different parenting styles. So we have to do a, a full overhaul if we're going to be effective. But look what you just did. I mean, right there, you listed about, I don't know, eight things that the list you can run them through, but each one of those opens up an entire new category of answers, of solutions, of problems that, that need to be evaluated. And yet parents sit there and say, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, all they need, I guess, is the, is kind of the checklist. Let's, let's just start doing it as a professional would do it. I mean, are these in the book then? Um, yeah, the, the first half of the book is all worksheets for parents. And if you had, as we spoke of earlier, you know, a, a really aggressive or punishing parent, there's trauma there. Yeah. For So often when uh, a parent finds themselves on the receiving end of that same kind of aggression from their own child, they're no longer thinking like an adult. They're back in the child zone. Uh, uh, and you can see a change in them. And I'll wonder, gosh, this person's a high-powered lawyer. Gee, they've got a thriving business. But somehow when their child comes at them, they revert back anymore. Yeah. yeah, they revert back to the five-year-old. That's right. And then the kid starts to actually parent the parent. Ugh. Complete and utter disaster. Well, and then has to hear the stories of what's going wrong with their parents because, uh, you know, these parents are tattling on each other. I mean, it gets – the systems get <laughs> – it gets convoluted. I mean, and then you can see why this, this gets handed down generation to generation. That's right. You know, I was coming through an airport, and uh, I saw this mother, I, I'm assuming she was a single mom, dragging about four or five suitcases, a backpack, two, two carry-ons, and two rolling suitcases. 
huffing and puffing. And who was walking behind her carrying nothing? And then the mother was lost. These things happen in public. I nearly make a scene. My wife has to, you know. (laughs) Relax, relax. And then the, 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 the daughter said, the mother says, oh, I don't know what gate we're at. And the daughter, who's about 13, her sister's about 12 or uh, 10, and she turns to her and says, wouldn't it be nice to have a real parent? Uh. And then the mother bursts out crying. It's like, that's going to help. <laughs> and I'm standing there. With, my wife is now pinning me to the floor. Yeah, you uh, want to go tear uh, into this. I want to tear into that. It just, it's uh. so... Uh, I think I used to be uh, a little gentler when I was younger, but as I get older, well, you see I it just faster can't too. It. You, you, that's what I love about uh, people that are good at what they do. Is so if, if if parents don't have the answers, there's answers. Go find the help. Get this book, for example, Sean. But but there's there's people that can see through this a lot faster than they can. Get help. That's right. Well, yeah, parenting. This goes for me too. You don't get a pass because you're a therapist. No. Uh, I went through, the book actually was born of my own struggles because I felt the parenting books I read sometimes actually made me feel worse. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, who are these kids? How do people talk that way? That doesn't sound, I couldn't get the script out of my mouth. But I, I will tell you, I didn't have a big pushback moment recently with my 16-year-old where she really stood up to me because I was a little snarky and I said mm. something rude. She put me in my place, and I got to tell you, I was so proud of her. That's awesome. I could never would have had the the guts to do that with my own parent. But how? And and but again, she wasn't that. There, she's not a bully. She's being mature. She's being mature. So we we established a lot of no fly zones. There's no cursing. There's no name calling. We're gonna. We all get frustrated with each other. We're gonna. This is how it works in our family. So that's good. That's why your family. It's going to be different from your neighbor's family. You don't want to get involved in that. That's going to figure out, parent, you know, consciously, what kind of family you want to have here. How, what kind of leadership you want to provide. Most parents are so busy either being burned out by the requirements of parenting or exhausted and giving in all the time. They don't really even have that thought, hey, I'm leading my own tribe. Mm. How, can I, how can I do this better? So that true. That is the express link. So true. Love that advice, Sean. Great quote. Uh, when are you going to stop swatting at the flies and go and patch the screen? Sometimes we're too busy swatting. We're not doing enough patching. Sean Grover's his name. Go check out his book, When Kids Call the Shots, How to Seize Control from Your Darling Bully and Enjoy Parenting Again. Powerful stuff. Our families need it, folks. This country needs it. We need healthier, happier families. They are the... They are the institution that matters most on this earth. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. It's that time again, folks, to go to our empty news segment of the show where we give you uh, the news that uh, doesn't always make the news. Who better to lead us in that than Jeffrey Liam Simpson, our anchor? So you were talking earlier about uh, things being stolen or returned. Yes. Yes. There you are. <laughs> and uh, this is an interesting one. What? You're going to love this. What? And it's it's perfect because it's Christmas time. Tis the season. Right. So Colleen O'Hara knew the oversized purse she was given more than 30 years ago was unique. 
But until it was stolen in early November, she had no idea of its true value to collectors. Oh, wow. And she certainly never expected to get it back. Yeah. On Wednesday, a Bothell, Washington police officer called Colleen with good news and a strange twist. He said, I have a very interesting story to tell you, O'Hara said. He told me, I have your bag. I said, you have what? Police told O'Hara they received uh, her 1985 Louis Vuitton bag wow. in the mail with an anonymously written note saying that saying the sender had no idea how valuable the bag was until I saw the story on the TV news. Officers say the sender neglected to add that someone had also tried to use O'Hara's credit cards. The man they believe stole the bag at a Home Depot was seen on a surveillance uh, on surveillance images and police published the image in a tweet with the caption Boyfriend just unexpectedly give you a new Louis Vuitton bag? If this is him, might be time for a new boyfriend. Just saying. Yeah. O'Hara added that while police say they intend to find the thief and arrest him, she forgives him. And because his image has been seen on social media and TV news stories, she would not press charges if she had the choice. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That, that's a pretty cool story. And, um, boy, we need more of that, right? I mean, the yeah. forgiveness is one thing. He'll still probably get arrested, right? Because, well, because you don't have to necessarily press charges to to have the police arrest somebody. But he returned the bag. He also who stole the that? bag. But who does that? That is pretty nice. And and what a good time of year to do it. Yeah. That's cool. I'm telling you, if it's I all about the grace period. Yeah. There if are I, these crooks that think that there's a grace period. If I stole something from you, I would give it back. Or I would want to think that I would give it back. <laughs> and it's really the thought that counts, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. So uh, this one's kind of interesting. A little what? weird. So there's a 44-year-old Fort Walton Beach, Florida man, another Florida story, uh-huh. who was arrested after he entered a senior living facility without permission and locked himself in a resident's room. Uh-oh. He was covered in grass at the time, according to the sheriff's office. Like a chia pet. Yeah. The person who called the sheriff's office attempted to speak with the suspect, but he refused to stop and continued inside. A witness said she'd seen him emerge from the tree line and walk toward the front of the facility. She said he stopped and stared at her. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah. When deputies arrived, the man refused to leave the bathroom where he'd locked himself. Eventually, the deputies broke down the door and removed him. He was charged with burglary and resisting an officer. Yeah. Okay. He was having an event. Don't you think? He was having some issue. Right. Some people just aren't well, and so they think, hey, I'm going to go into the senior center, walk into a room. And lock myself in the bathroom, all covered in grass. But this is different. Remember the guy yesterday we talked about that went into someone's room in the middle of the night just to pet, to pet their cat. cat? Yeah. Was that what they said, I guess. Maybe he didn't want to come out because police were there yeah. and uh, he was in possession of grass. No, I think it, I think he, he wasn't in possession of grass. He was wearing grass. Same difference. But I think a different grass. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, how about this one? Another Florida person. Firefighters rescued a Florida man early Friday who was stranded on Lake Eola's iconic Linton E. Allen Memorial Fountain Hmm. after the swan-shaped paddle boat he allegedly stole drifted away. Oh, no. Yeah. So he stole a boat, went out to some island, got off the little swan boat, and then it drifted away. Yeah, that's... Ah! 
That's karma, baby. Um, police said they were dispatched to an unknown unknown trouble call shortly after 3.45 a.m. When a person... So not only was it uh, was he stranded, but it was 3 in the morning. Oh, boy. When a person at the Post Parkside Apartments re- uh, reported that a man who was standing on the fountain was shouting for help. Firefighters donned dry suits and used a different city-owned boat to rescue the stranded man from downtown Orlando Centerpiece, investigators Busted. Said. Isn't that interesting? Stuck on a fountain. That not only does he steal this boat, but then taxpayer dollars are then put into play yeah. to rescue to this him. man. But we do that all the time, right? We, yes. But that's just because we're that, we're that nice. I personally, I would have let him spend the night on spend the night on the fountain. Be a good lesson. You will never do that again. That's what we tell our kids. That's You'll never right. do that again. Don't make me get my whatever your discipline method is. <laughs> don't make you, me, you don't really want us to know what's going yeah. on at your house. Don't get, don't make me get this this slinky. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, it's. I can't even imagine how you're punishing them with that. You don't want to know. Oh, maybe you're taking their phone. And saying, you must sit here and play with this for the equal amount of time that you would spend on your phone. Oh, can you imagine even playing with a slinky for three hours? Do I have stairs in the scenario? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but, I could see that. But your slinky has a little kink in it. You have a kink in your slink. So it doesn't flip. It can only go two steps at a time. Oh, that's maddening. Yeah. Anyway. I don't even think you can – I don't think anybody's ever even played with a slinky for three hours without it getting all tangled up. Right. It's sad. Not to – I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, we're not disparaging slinky. We love slinkies. It's just the brute you know, bully that always kinks the slink. Everyone loves a slinky. You got to get a slinky. This ad brought to you by the Matt Townsend Show as we pitch slinky. Another great present to give your kids that will last easily 30 seconds. We'll continue the journey uh, more on the Matt Townsend Show straight ahead. Welcome back, friends. You know, it is the season to be jolly. And if you if you actually are sitting there and you're wondering, how can I give back more this season? How can I do more to lift the poor, the downtrodden, those that need a little lift? Terry has an answer for us. Watching NFL games, apparently. Apparently, the NFL needs your eyeballs. NBC Sunday Night Football was the most watched, regularly scheduled primetime TV program this year, beating out last year's winner, which was the TV show The Big Bang Theory. Really? On average, 18.6 million people watch Sunday Night Football, though it now ranked uh, number one. Sunday Night Football viewership declined from last year when 19.3 million people watched it on average. So is it? did the Big Bang Theory end? No, it's still going. They're still, they're still a Big Bang. It might be a problem where they keep moving it from Monday okay. to Thursdays so they, and around. They're not number one anymore. NFL's back to number one, yes. but they're losing viewership. Right. NBC parent company Comcast and CBS dominated the top 10 this year. The Super Bowl, as usual, the most watched single telecast, though its average, though its average viewership was down, what, 5,000 or 576,000 people compared with the year before. What they're seeing is that there's a general trend that there are less people watching TV. Yeah. And football isn't as fun as it used to be. They don't account for that. 
people's they're accounting brains. for people just not watching TV in yeah. general. No, that cable news it. ratings are down. Everything across the board is down. Now the other other issues with football are going to come into play. Yeah. And I think they are. I think people are looking at it with the concussions and the violence. I want to know if Little League, uh, if we're playing less football in Little League. We are. We've had guests on the show talking about it. See, so there it goes. (sighs) We're going to miss you, NFL. No, this Christmas season, do what you can to support the NFL. These billionaires and millionaires, they need your support. Hey, straight ahead, we'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you through the holiday season. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Happy holidays to you. So good to be with you. Uh, We got the whole gang here. Jeff and Terry. Jeff uh, is chomping at the bit. He's just... I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if it's his head cold or if he's just so excited to to get all of his activities done. But he is overworked and underpaid and excited for me to leave because today's my last day before the holidays begin. And then I'm tomorrow excited. you get to host and hold down the fort as I go and do if, my thing. If you uh, would have been here tomorrow, yeah, I would not have been. Just oh. want you to know. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. <sighs> and if I'm not either saying... of you weren't here, I would still be here. <laughs> See, just that, yes, we know. So, <laughs> so I have delayed your your trip because you've got a big journey to uh, the world's smallest big town. I don't think I would just try to take a day off early. I'm just, I, yeah, I, I would just take a sick day, yeah, and I then leave early. Wow. But you're not even sick. Excuse me? Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. We, we really, as, we, as we're getting ready for the holidays, lots of love out there. Lots of uh, opportunities to hang out with your family. Today, in fact, uh, Heather Johnson will be here helping us understand how to host our adult children. Because mm. it, you guys may not know, it's your kids come in and expect everything. Uh, but when your kids are adults, they come in and expect things too, but it's not the same thing. They don't want you to control everything. They like think they have choices and freedom and they have their own issues and their own timing. And ah, you can just put your kids in a car and they have to go where you're going. And so it's we're, just that easy. We're going to be going to Reno and spending Christmas with my in-laws. Right. And uh, yeah, I think there's part of us that really hopes that we're going to be pampered. And spoiled, uh-huh. and that we can just loaf around. And... No, but that's probably not going to be what happens. So really? Today we're going to learn how to manage those relationships as your kids are aging. And now they're having kids, grandkids. Like personally, my I don't even talk to my kids. I just talk to my adult kids that are married. I just talk to my grandchild. When she comes over, I forget that I have a daughter, and I go right to my granddaughter. It's sad. In fact, I can't even remember Stacy's name or Susie's name. Hmm. Wow. I think her name Slippy is. Slippy uh, Swanson? Uh, Swanson? Is it Sat? No, that was. Mur- Samsonite. Was it Samsonite. No. <laughs> Myrtle Bertha? No. Bertha? Uh, no. Oh, Sarah. Gladys? Sarah's her name. Gladys? Sarah. No. Yeah, Sarah's my daughter's name. 
So we'll be talking about the impact of that as your as your family is getting a little older. Plus, um, lots of other headlines and news. Uh, Terry's got a lot of trivia for us. A lot of uh, lists, twelve point lists that are, are really important. And um, we'll get. I to don't all know that. about that. I mean, they're they're not important, but they're 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 handy. They're interesting. Yeah, to some people. But first and foremost, let's get to the headlines, Terry. What what's the real news we should be paying attention to? President Trump held his final cabinet meeting of the year Wednesday, convening his top deputies for a routine summit on the state of affairs. As happens with these sort of events, things got a little excessively praising would be a way you could phrase this. First, Trump invited Ben Carson, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, to say grace for the table. Yeah. It's a cabinet meeting. They opened with prayer. But uh, not before a jab at the press inviting the media to stay for Carson's words. Trump said the reporters may need a prayer more than I do. Maybe a good solid prayer and they'll do the they'll start being honest. And he was Ben, is that wow. possible? Wow. Whoa. Carson, Carson did not specifically pray for reporters' souls, but he did thank God for the courageous members of Trump's cabinet before asking for unity that could spread even beyond party lines. Next, Vice President Mike Pence spoke offering his signature praise for Trump's broad shoulders, miracle-making, and thanking the president for seeing through the course of this year an agenda that truly is restoring this country you're, and making it great again. You're making it sound like the prayer was scripted. Well, some are. Hmm. Some, yeah. Some, some people write their prayer. Yeah. I mean, it's, But it's, like, it's a like it was practice. written for him by Trump. Well, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Well, you don't think Trump would write his prayer. I think he expects certain things to be in a prayer that he's in attendance for. Yeah. And maybe he would have somebody that would write a prayer for Trump, which would be the prayer Trump would want for another person. Huh? Huh? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and <clears throat> if you watch Vice President Pence, uh, a comment he uses almost every time he talks is broad shoulders. Trump has broad shoulders. That's a broad shouldered approach to whatever. Yeah. Well, what you do is you find a strength, and you always go with his strength. So apparently, right. to Vice President Pence, but apparently, his sh- broad shoulders, President Trump's broad shoulders are his greatest strength. Broad shoulder might be a euphemism for bullying. Oh, That's, those are the situations where the Trump has Trump has done something. It seems like he may have been a little bullying-ish, broad shoulders, and then it comes back to Pence as you know the guy that comes in as the. The apologist, yeah. sort of, and he's talking about the broad shoulder yeah. approach. It's not; it's always with a big heart and broad shoulders. See, this is what you needed, though. Remember, uh, Biden wasn't yeah. known as the broad shoulders; no. he was known as the massager shoulders right. guy. Yeah, <laughs> and the, you the actually awkward. would need both. If we had a broad mm. shoulder president that could be kind of strong, and then have Biden come in after and massage the shoulders, right. To make everything better. So just watch that. Yeah. Vice, you know, Pence likes to talk about broad shoulders. Okay. President Trump on Wednesday threatened to cut off aid to countries that vote in favor of a U.N. resolution condemning the White House's recent decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Speaking at a cabinet meeting over the passage of tax overhaul legislation, Trump said the U.S. would take note of which countries oppose his controversial Jerusalem move, which, w- which world leaders have warned would trigger further violence in the Middle East. All of these nations that take our money and then they vote against us at the Security Council or they vote against us potentially at the Assembly, they take hundreds of millions of dollars and even billions of dollars and then they vote against us. Trump was quoted by the New York Times. Well, we're watching those votes. Let them vote against us. We'll save a lot. We don't care, he said. The General Assembly is due to vote on a resolution today that expressed deep regret 
at a recent decision concerning the status of Jerusalem and urges other nations not to follow that example. It doesn't mention the United States, but no one else has made any decisions about <laughs> Jerusalem. So. Yeah. It does seem a little rude. Don't you get upset when you give your kids allowance money and they don't even say thank you, but they still take the money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been having those discussions a lot lately. My kids are going to start working at my office. Mm. We're going to make them clean and put together components in the back room. <laughs> Sweatshop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're earning their money. It's my new side business. Uh, One of my favorite stories that is ongoing, a federal judge, uh, Judge Gloria Navarro, Wednesday declared a mistrial in the case against infamous Nevada rancher and militia activist Cliven Bundy, noting that prosecutors willfully withheld significant and potentially exculpatory information from Bundy's lawyers. Oh, boy. The trial against Bundy and his sons, Ammon and Ryan Bundy, began began weeks ago. The men were accused with militia member Ryan Payne of leading an armed standoff against federal land agents in 2014. A new trial is currently being set for February. So the story will continue. See. Oh, goody. I'm telling you, something's not right because a lot of these uh, cases aren't aren't going for the government. No. So maybe these... They were onto something. We'll see. Weird. We'll see. Okay. And finally, a former NBA player has taken to Twitter to complain that a toilet was among the items stolen from his Dallas area home during a burglary. <laughs> 33-year-old Charlie Villanueva. Have you heard of that name? No. He's a basketball player, played on multiple teams last Did for he the really? Dallas Mavericks. He's a former first-round pick who most recently played with the Dallas Mavericks, posted a photo of the space in his bathroom where his toilet once stood. In a series of tweets, Villanueva says that his home appliances were also taken during the burglary Tuesday. The former Detroit Piston described the episode as mind-blowing, saying he's in shock. Villanueva criticized police for a slow response to his burglary report, saying he called four times about the, the stolen toilet. Yeah. Another twi- uh, Twitter user created the handle Stolen Toilet and responded to one of his tweets by asking, Charlie, are you looking for me? Hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, he's like, I, I mean, think about that. Someone broke into his house, yeah. stole his toilet. Think of the effort to oh. undo the bolts. Yeah. Li- you got to take the water out. Yeah, you could turn the water Because he said there out. was no water, like, you know, dripping everywhere through the house. So they removed all the water and took the toilet out of the house. It was just crazy. Well, it must have been a great toilet. Maybe. Gold-plated. Maybe it's one of those that heats up, the seats heat up. Talks to you. Lights. Maybe. Disinfectant. Yeah. Yeah. Has like a, a reading uh, dispenser with materials that you can enjoy. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's right. That's high class right there. Has a little right side there. table, little ottoman. I think it even has like a little knitting station too. <laughs> oh, wow. It's <laughs> a lot of stuff to do in a bathroom. Yeah. Uh, no wonder this guy wanted it. What? Um, and then what do you do with a toilet? Do you, do you pawn it? I don't know. It's, no. a hot, it's a hot toilet, so you just can't get rid of it. You put it out on the side of the road like you see every once in a while for no particular reason. Man, that is a hot toilet. Don't you find that? I mean, of all the things you would, you know, steal, a toilet? Maybe he blew it up. Well, but there what? are so many videos of people online blowing up toilets. Yeah, but he wouldn't blow this one up. It took a lot of work to get it. If you blow it up, don't you? I mean... That's when you just find a toilet. This guy actually went, apparently, you know, hunting for it. Porcelain hunting. If a toilet blows up and there's nobody there to hear it, did it make a noise? That's a great point. (laughs) That's a really, really deep point. Um, 
what what is the going rate of porcelain? Is maybe maybe that's what it is? Is well, people are like copper? People you, still you're, copper. You're pipes. assuming it's porcelain. Oh wow, good point. He, he made it, it sound like it was a commodity. He had that's on the stock exchange. Yeah, a commodity. Commodity. It's a commodity. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nice. There was a, a horrible dad joke in there somewhere. <laughs> Well, we got three horrible dads here. The older so. I get, the more those are easily identifiable. Yeah. Ooh, dad joke. But what's funny is that means you're coming of age. I know. It's it's really you're painful. You're turning into your father. I it's had a horrible. great dad joke that I came up with on the spot the other night when we were making our gingerbread houses. Did you want to share it? I would love to. Okay. Set the mood. Set the tone. So actually, I should say that they're gingerbread trains that we were making. Which don't exist, but okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um... So I was asking somebody to pass me one of the vanilla wafers, not the vanilla wafers, but the vanilla wafers. And I said, "Could you could you hand me that uh, vanilla wafer?" Aren't the, aren't the vanilla wafers vanilla wafers? No, there's oh. vanilla wafers. Yeah, and then there are the circle crackers that are called vanilla wafers. Oh, anyway, I think that's you're ruining no, no. my joke here. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> So you you asked so one said, of your children. I said, "Hand me that vanilla wafer. I need it for my train. Although it's going to go straight to the caboose." See, I don't think we ruined the joke. No, I don't think. I think that we may joke have helped it with prayer. more detail. Yeah, yeah, that joke was dead. We actually kept the punchline from actually arriving, which may have helped. Yeah, huh? But it did go straight to the caboose. Yeah, my friend, yeah. that's where it goes. Man, I've been told. Well, see, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. Anywho, um, enough about Jeff's body image issues. Whoa. That were imposed by you. And eventually, hey, if you're out there in listener land and you have some insight into is it a vanilla wafer or a nilla wafer? Nilla wafer is the cracker. A vanilla wafer is the wafer with the frosting in between the layers. Okay. You, why don't you believe me? I think you're mistaken. He's now on the interweb searching I it out. I will show you on Google. While he's doing that, let's get back to Terry. Terry, what see, other fun do you have for end us? End of the year, there's all see, the kind of year-end lists that are put out. And this yeah. is the 10 health questions that had you Googling this year. Stuff that okay. people Googled, health issues. Yeah. So these are the top 10. And so if people want to feel more normal... Listen up, and you if you if you Googled any of these things, you are part of the norm. You're, yeah. Which may be, by the way, quite abnormal. You could be, you could be part of the problem, too. Okay. Uh, what causes hiccups? Yeah. Was a big question. That's a great People question. People are concerned about this. Right. Uh, how to stop snoring. Yeah. That is a, that is a key. That's a big question. See, huh. uh, by the way, back to the vanilla versus <laughs> nilla yeah, wafer. Right, right. Um, you understand that they're just – these are just brand names, right? These are just – that's a wafer that's vanilla. So why can't I call it a vanilla wafer? It's confusing. You need to differentiate so that everyone understands. What is a nilla anyway? N-I-L-L-A. It's, it's just a fun, hip way of saying vanilla. Well, it's a way. And, and here's the funny thing is but if you, if you ask 9 out of 10 people what a, what, a nil, what a vanilla wafer is, they would think what you're calling a nilla wafer. Do no, we really have to condense the word vanilla? Yes. Why don't we just call it nil? Well, didn't you remember the name? So apparently it's effective. Yeah. 
Anything. Whereas you call it a vanilla wafer, and we're totally confused. I have no idea what you're talking about. Once you get back to that list okay. there. So hiccups, <laughs> snoring, yeah. what causes kidney stones. Oh, I, I, I did Google that you last did, year. You're part of this. Uh-huh, yeah, I did Google that. Did you that. find an answer that was satisfactory? Or well, uh, Did it say like Smurfs or Gremlins or something? Uh, or just like high calcium in your diet. Oh, there's yeah. that. Lots of cheese. Lots of, too much cheese, huh? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, they, but they say it's not a problem unless you have a lot of snoring associated right. with it and hiccups. Why am I so tired? Holy cow! That was a health problem. That was this year. I, I did search that. Why am I tired? Uh, how long does the flu last? Okay, didn't will it ever time. go away? Because Jeff just right. googled that. What is normal blood pressure? Mm. I already knew that. Okay, how to lower cholesterol? Huh. Stop eating cholesterol. Yeah, I hate it. I got a bar of vanilla cholesterol the other mm. day. The <laughs> strawberry? Do you like the strawberry the stra- flavor? I like Chocolate. the creamy, but I, they got chunky, mm-hmm. so I didn't like it. Makes it, it tough there when you have choices. What causes high? We had that one. What is ADHD? Mm. <laughs> We've yeah. had a lot of people on talking about that one. Yeah. And what is lupus? Really? Oh. Yeah. I think there's also what is the difference between nilla and vanilla wafers? Well, now that's a big deal, yeah. The, the answer to what is lupus is... The cause of every single anomaly in on the show House, where yes. he's running around the hospital, the cause of every single person's mysterious illness was lupus. Yeah. Because, it got to the point where I'm like, is this just going to be the thing on this show that everything is lupus? Well, that's the thing. When, when doctors don't know, they just say lupus. It's like when someone says, Matt, do you know where this location is in Provo? And I'm like, I, I, even if I don't know, I'm like, I think it's by the – I think it's by – BYU campus. Yeah, it's just south of campus. Just say that. Yeah, it's just south. It's just right. Southwest yeah. of campus. Because southeast is a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you just make it up as you go. Okay. It's like on this show, when we don't know what's next, what do we say? Stick with us. Stick with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just clued them in on, on a key. Actually, they... I didn't. You did. I wasn't you just gonna, said it. I you wasn't said it gonna, first. I wasn't repeated. going to say that. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, Jeff, what do you think about continue, this? Continue what, when the, I don't know what to say, I turn We'll it continue over. the journey? We'll continue, we'll continue <laughs> the, the journey. No. Man, I got to get out of town. Mm. <laughs> but the scary thing is I'm leaving the show to Jeff, and he's slowly, he's slowly you know, coming unhinged. It's all right. Just one day. Yeah. Famous last words right there. It's just one day. Right before I'll be, the nuclear power plant. I'll be shopping for shoes in the next room. It'll be fine. Man, I hope Don's not listening. You sure you don't want to stick around tomorrow? Oh no! Speaking of sticking around, I'm not going to stick around. You get to, you'll get to do it tomorrow, but I'll be listening. Will you? Yeah, hmm. I will. Test. I me. question that. Well, I no, I know you don't listen when I'm hosting because I gave you the opportunity of a lifetime on the show when I hosted one time. Really? I was talking to Spencer and Jeremy at BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. And I was basically daring you to come back to the show. <laughs> I said, if Matt is here tomorrow, I will shave my head. And they got really excited because they thought, oh, boy, oh, what if he has to do it? Because apparently Jerem lost a bet one yeah. time and had to shave his, shave head. his head. And uh, you didn't come back. No. And I still have a full set of hair. Well, um, let's do it again. Let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to you, throw that out tomorrow? You will not come back in. I won't come back in. Yeah. But I'll call it in. It's not the same thing. No. Tomorrow, I've got so much to do. Yeah.
And I, I'm sorry. I know what that's so much to do. I'm is. sorry to leave you hanging, but I just thought it would be great for your career, a great opportunity to to really hold down the fort, as we say in the radio biz and in the fort construction business. <sighs> anyway, straight ahead, folks. Heather Johnson will be joining us. Hatch, we call her, and she'll be talking to us about hosting adult children for the holidays, how to keep it special for them as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you uh, have a healthier, happier life right here on BYU Radio. Yes, folks, it's time to uh, have our great parenting expert on, Heather Ann Johnson. Hadge, we call her. She, um, she you're soaking is, in it. You're soaking <laughs> Hadge is, uh, she's got so much going on. If you go to her website, familyvolley.com, she has some wonderful advice on how to create a more active family, keep your family involved, doing things, uh, not just sitting around looking at each other. But more importantly, how to actually make sure we have the spirit in our family as well and a good peaceful spirit at that. Today she's talking to us about hosting adult children for the holidays. It's it's a big deal. As they age, it's easy to kind of not adapt for sure. to what they need. That was said with so much kindness. You know that, what I mean? Yeah. That was, that was very eloquent. <laughs> and it's because people, your kids can become dependent on you. Oh, yeah. And they also, you can, you can, if you don't change and make things exciting and fun for them, there's, they've got other in-laws to choose. They've got <laughs> other places to go. They're going to go elsewhere? You is might, that what you're saying? You can lose them. They're, <laughs> oh, see, so that's yeah. why you're kind is because you don't want to lose the only, them. Oh, yeah. It's the only reason. Well, I don't, I, them, I, it's their, my grandkids. There you go. It's exactly. Gotta keep it's that my little grandkids. granddaughter that you oh, don't want to go anywhere. She's so perfect. <laughs> well, and we have expectations, right? There's this feeling that once our kids get older, we expect that they'll do things a certain way. Yeah. And when they don't. We can get really frustrated right. and annoyed and irritated. and It's like they don't know how to please us better. Right. <laughs> well, and the, the the trap is we're the ones who taught them. Yeah. So when they show up and they don't offer up what we expect, it's like, <laughs> who raised you? Right. Like monkeys? What is happening? Like, oh, me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So what's going on here? You guys, You guys all think that I'm going to clean this mess up? <laughs> yes, it's exactly right. So we get in this trap. But this is a really tricky time. And I don't know why. This subject is almost comical to me probably because – a lot of the space I now recognize more with the yeah. family and yeah. our family's growing up. And so we're having these different experiences. But in just a couple of days, right, the weekend's coming, we're kind of going to fill our homes with adult kids. Right. It's happening to a lot of us where yeah. or, you know, for my husband and I, we're going to be with my parents. And so we're those adult kids. Oh, and oh. so let's navigate it a little bit, yeah. a little bit. And some of this is just simple. It's it's mm-hmm. going to happen. This is how life works. It is. It's going to happen. And that's hard, too, because you don't want things to change. Right. But change is going to happen. So I guess lead it instead of react to it. For sure. Well, and, and anticipate it a little bit. Yeah. And it's so funny because we're going to, you know, we're going to talk through more specifics. But if we wanted to just sum up everything and go home right now, yeah. selflessness d- solves, well, every problem everywhere right. always. But right. it really is an underlying theme for anything we're going to, you know, chat about. 
it's really a space where you must be more selfless, for, whether you're traveling or you're the ones hosting. You have yeah. to be. You have to be. Right. So I've got some scenarios for us today. We'll work through a little bit. But before we do that, a couple overarching points that really help regardless of the makeup of your home over the holidays. It won't matter. Some things to consider. The first is when it comes to hosting adult children or even, you know, as your grandkids come, we can't lose sight of our goal. Right. Now, the first question is, do you even know what your goal is? Because that would be a good thing to, to discuss. But all, you know, humor aside with that, there's this space where we have to realize the goal when we go visit my parents or when my parents invite their adult kids and grandkids back to their home is not to fight and argue for a week. That is not our no, goal, that's, right? That isn't no. the goal of the holidays. <laughs> that's what we do the rest of the year. It's exactly right. The holidays at least. <laughs> They're special. Right? Yeah. We go visit family or we invite family to our home to make a connection, to share that experience, to, yep. to help our relationship get stronger. So if we keep that in our minds, okay, why do we do this? Well, so our relationships get stronger. That should put us in a position where it's a lot easier to compromise, to be patient, to be understanding, to not argue, to not be judgmental. It really frees up a space if we'll just think, well, what what is the goal in all this? Well, clearly it's for us to strengthen this relationship. Right. Let's function in a way that does that. That's right. I guess that's key. Make it a goal. Make sure that that's kind of an overt intent is to make it really good together. Absolutely. Why, why would we do that? Why yeah. are we driving miles and miles in the next four days? Why are we, you know, making food together? Why are we sleeping in a bed that doesn't fit you? Because, yeah. I mean, why are we, or on the floor, why are we doing we these have things? To. We have to. Or we say tradition. <laughs> but some traditions, maybe it's time to let them go. For sure. And there's And make a better that. one that works better. Right. And, and reevaluate. And so if we come up with the goal that we want our relationships to be stronger, Keep that in mind. Don't lose sight of that, right? So when all of a sudden someone wants ham, but for the last 40 years you've had turkey for yeah. dinner on Christmas, it's a space where you go, wait, it, it isn't in about the ham or the turkey. It's about strengthening our relationship. What can I do that helps strengthen relationships? Uh, and that's the focus, yeah. right? So the next one too, just kind of overall, is there must be a space when we're together where we're looking for the good. If you want to see the crappy stuff, you'll it's find there. it. It's, it's always there. It's always and there. And the good's always there. The good is too. And so if we go into it thinking, oh, grandma's house is always too hot. <laughs> and her this is like that. And her cranberry sauce comes out of a can. And this is like this. And her ham tastes like turkey. It's exactly right. And yeah. I wanted ham. If if we go that direction, we will find all of that. So again, this is back to our goal. If my goal is to strengthen a relationship, then naturally I'm not going to be looking for all the crappy stuff that's right. going to happen the next week and a half yeah. as adult kids are hanging out with extended family. And so we've got to look for the good things. We've got to be grateful there is a bed, not irritated because it's not a perfect king bed. And instead it's the 12 year old. We, right. Right. It's, it's really sad that we get into that mentality. The last then kind of overarching, which we'll, we'll tie back in. It kind of sounds funny is this idea of service. Anytime you're in these situations, especially over the holidays, when things get tricky, when there's a little frustration, if you need to know how to Bring it back around to your goal. Serve. That's just, simple. Just, just find something to do that's outside yourself. Shut your flapper and, and serve. Serve. It's, it. it's so true. And yeah. in fact, I, I'm cautiously sharing personal experience. I watched my husband not too long ago. We were in this position where, you know, we were with family and it wasn't fantastic. It it just wasn't. Yeah. And there was room for a lot of tension and room for a lot of stress. And there was a lot of rules like 
we we weren't allowed to turn on light switches yeah. or we weren't allowed yeah. it, there it just ah don't don't do this don't do this keep don't your kids breathe. away from this right, right right and so and they felt a little unreasonable nevertheless we were the guests and all of a sudden i walked past the bathroom and my husband was in there and he was fixing a toilet paper holder right the yeah. the holder the, that, yeah. that you put the toilet paper which on. by the way in my house that's like a feat in <laughs> right. and of itself <laughs> to just fix that yeah. and so i ducked my head in and i said what what are you down on your hands and knees? What are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, if I don't serve them, I will not like them. <laughs> and by the time we were done, he'd fixed actually all three toilet paper holder That's rolls. Pretty cool. He'd gotten his hand down yeah. in some sprinkler systems. He'd fixed a screen that was ripped and just disappeared to the hardware store and came back with a new screen. So ridiculous. Yet it it saved him. It it really did. And then even the spirit of our family, because he put himself in a position where there wasn't space in his brain to think about how frustrating mm-hmm. some of the things were. But instead, it was what can I do in order to to help to make things better to serve. That's great. So when you're there and you are two hours from dinner and it's not at the time you want, the way you want it, and you are having turkey instead of ham, and something else isn't good, and you haven't slept because you've been in a sleeping bag on the floor for four <laughs> days, right? And you're a grown person. Yeah. Serve. Find a way to serve. I love that, and it's. It, I guess it doesn't get rid of everything, but what it what it does is it it changes the spirit in the moment, the mood in the moment, right? And it, it actually aligns you back to your principles and and your goal, right? Yeah. Which again, where did we start? We want to make this situation a growth experience. Yeah. So if that's what we're trying to do, well, how can I do that? If I'm if I'm in a right state of mind instead of overheating because the air conditioning won't run and we're at like 97 degrees uh-huh. inside my grandma's house, right? <laughs> if I if I realign with that and what the goal is, then naturally I would serve. Naturally, if something's broken, I would want to help fix it. Right. We only get clouded when we get really judgmental. That's really good. So overarching, it doesn't matter what your family makeup looks like the next week and a half for the holidays. Those things help, first and foremost. Fall back to serving and knowing your purpose. Again, we're speaking with Heather Ann Johnson, who's a professor here at Brigham Young University and uh, also um, the author of Family Fun Fridays and soon-to-be-released Family Fun (laughs) Saturdays through Thursdays. Um, You can find out more about that at familyvolley.com. What else, Heather, can we do? Now that we kind of got the foundation laid, what do we do, you know, to – to take it to the next level now. Sure. Specifics, right? Okay. So let's run through some three different family scenarios we're most likely to run into with some tips with each one. The first, it's most likely that somebody listening is going to be in a situation where we have grandparents who are hosting adult kids with kids. Right. Right. So this would be you and your wife if your daughter and her husband and your granddaughter come. Yeah. Or uh, my husband and I and our six kids go to visit my parents. That type of situation. That's great. So naturally, there's some things we're going to look out for. First and foremost, my parents have had little kids. Our kids are always there, but they don't live there. Yeah. And so my parents have had their own space for a long time. Things are in the same space always. There's not little hands to muck them, move them, anything like that. And so parents, grandparents have a home that usually is a way they like it and are comfortable with it. And so that's the first thing we want to keep in mind. Now, kind of points here. When it comes to my husband and I, if we're using that example when we go, the first tip is we can't expect that it's a vacation. Mm-mm. Which the number one complaint I hear actually from grandparent age as I work with clients is when my kids come, 
they think it's a vacation. They think we're going to take care of their kids. Yeah. They don't pick anything up. They don't make any food. They don't clean anything up. Vegging. They just do whatever they want yeah. while we're supposed to take care of their kids. Now, it puts grandparents in a tricky spot because they love their grandkids. Yeah. They want to help. They want to you Give know, you bathe and break. put to bed and help. Right. But at the same time, if my husband and I are expecting that over Christmas, this is a vacation, we're mistaken. We need to book our own vacation That's, in March. That will come another day. And do that then. And so we have to go into it with the mindset that this this isn't a vacation. It isn't where we sit and watch whatever for five days while everybody else manages mm, our six children. That's great. So that's the first one. And it's pretty straightforward, right? Even hearing it sometimes, it's like, well, four adults would be so much better than two. Well, great. But at least make sure your hands are still working, right? right? Exactly. That you're still doing that out right. of respect. For grandparents, a great tip here is to make sure that boundaries are set. Make sure that you make it clear when people are coming into your home. The things that might frustrate you, anticipate those and set some boundaries around them so you're not constantly at odds with yourself, right? right? If noise to you is a difficult thing, then set the boundary that if it gets too loud, you're going to take a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. Work on what you're going to do in order to have control over situations that might be a little That's bit more good. out of control. Hey, Grandpa's going to go out to the shed for yeah. a couple hours. <laughs> or a couple of days. Yeah. In, in fact, it's really funny. We have uh, – our neighbors are a little bit older, and he has a motorhome. He actually just sold it this summer. He's had it for probably 25 years. Oh, wow. It has – I think he ended up with maybe 10,000 miles on it. Like they – he never took it he out. He never took it anywhere. But when he took it somewhere, he only took it for the holidays. And what he would do is that's where he would go to escape everything else. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then when people came to his house, he'd park it in his driveway. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they'd go, well, where's grandpa? Well, he was just in his driveway yeah. in his own motorhome with all the doors <laughs> locked, having his own space. He just that's he had not his own, a bad idea. Yeah, his own little home on wheels. Right. But we teased him because anytime his family or grandkids came into town, all of a sudden, we'd see him sneaking out the back door to the motorhome. I'm going to go work on the motorhome. I'm just, I'm just going to go do some stuff <laughs> out there, right? That's great. Okay, next scenario. So we have grandparents, kids with kids. The next one is grown kids, divorced parents. Yeah. One we're seeing and learning a lot more about because it's an interesting space we're really just diving into. Not the repercussions isn't the right word, but how to manage new space like this. And so some tips with this one. If you're grown kids and your parents are divorced, especially if you have your own children, you don't need to overcommit. Right. When there's a situation with divorced parents, we've probably got in-laws and then we've got mom and dad. We've gone from two to three, maybe even more. Oh, yeah. And it becomes so stressful when we think we have to be at every person's everything. we got to do every everything. Every holiday. Right. That overcommitment becomes so stressful. We can't enjoy building stronger relationships with anyone. Mm. Now, the other trouble with this is if you're bringing kids along and they're visiting and having to overcommit also, they don't have the experience you hope for them either. Right. And so we don't have to overcommit. It's okay to say you go to your dad's at Thanksgiving and mom gets me at Christmas and then switch. It's okay to say I'm doing dad's for Christmas and mom, I'll see you 4th of July. It, it's okay. You've got – you almost have to or you diminish it for everyone. For everyone, including yourself. And so the problem with that is once we overcommit, we start to create in our mind that there's expectations that there might not always be. Uh. And when we start to do that, then we start to resent. And so we actually don't enjoy any of the experiences. No, absolutely. Because we're not in a position where we can enjoy it. So That's we, hard. We don't need to overcommit. It's okay. It's not okay totally. to make choices that, that best – Meet what it is you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. For parents who are divorced and now have adult children, the tip really here is that we have to be upfront and we have to be respectful. It's important that we speak, but we don't speak ill. 
So what tends to happen is once parents are divorced and they're entertaining adult kids and grandkids, they tend to put up a wall a little bit where they don't want to speak about the ex-spouse. Right. And they don't allow space in their home for the ex-spouse to be discussed. It's kind of not cool. Right, right. right. Here you've got adult children who most likely have childhood memories when the two of you were together that are good. Right. And not only that, but they're spending time with that ex-spouse also. And so to think that they have to come into a home and can't speak about it, have to guard their tongue, have to be so cautious, that puts them in a very difficult position. Mm, So true. And so as hard as it is to bridge, to forgive, to, to work through, to even grieve, right, which we know grieving isn't just in this moment. Grieving is always. It's that remembering of those things. Right. They've got to be in a space where, yes, the marriage might not be together, but you have to entertain the fact that you're going to have children and grandchildren coming who have relationships with both of you. And you must be open to hearing, exploring, and and being a part of that still. Yeah, absolutely. Still a part of you. Well, and um, I mean, that too shows, I mean, it's the least you can do. Right. It is. Right? I mean, their their lives were upset by the divorce and had little control mm-hmm. over it. So now you can do enough to let it go and let them still love both of you. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's easy to say, you know, both sides of our mouths where it's like, well, of course I would want that. Right. But then they show up for Christmas and have the feeling that it's like you can't talk about your dad or mm-hmm. don't tell me about Thanksgiving with your mom. I, I can't right. hear it. Right. That type of thing. And, and it's hard. It is hard. But we have to have, again, don't lose sight of your goal, which is building relationships. Don't lose sight of the fact that you do know what you want and what that what you want is for those relationships to be stronger. That's good so that's stuff. really important. Hadge is her name. H- Heather, thanks. Sure. This is great, just basic, healthy advice that might make it like a beautiful, joyous season. Absolutely. Regardless of what the makeup yeah. looks like. Heather Johnson, thanks. Uh, everybody, go check out the website, familyvolley.com, and her book, Family Fun Fridays. Uh, You won't want to miss it. Uh, This is the Matt Townsend Show. BYU Sports Nation is up next. Welcome back, friends. It's time now to ease on down to our great friends at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show. Hello, gentlemen. Are you there? Oh, I can feel your breathing. Are any of you there? Oh, we're checking in on them. We'll go find out. They're probably drinking their wassail. You know how that goes as they warm up their voices. Let's check it again. Gentlemen, are you there? Bueller. Well, um, you know, one of the funny things I was going to talk to him about is Ennis Cantor who now apparently is getting in trouble with the Turkish government. All of these people, it's not, it used to be just LeBron James that was struggling with Ennis, but now um, the Turkish government are even starting to say, hey, you're not allowed back here in Turkey. You're not going to play on the Olympic team. And uh, what's it like to be an NBA star where not only uh, LeBron doesn't like you, but now your home country's mad at you, the Turks Let's try it one more time. Spencer and Jeremy, are you guys there? Uh, Spencer and Jason are here. Jason! Spencer! How are you? How are you? We're good. I missed you guys. Well, we missed you. We clearly, missed, clearly. Yes. We we literally missed you like two minutes ago. We could hear everything you were saying. I, you, you could hear us, but we, yeah, we could not hear you. So did you hear me talking about Ennis Cantor? 
Uh, I yes. did hear you. He's talking. in trouble. Yeah, the former Jazz man Ennis Cantor. So you've you've all now. The sudden you, you've got Utah that doesn't like him, but LeBron is like they're having a little battle. But now the people in Turkey are saying, "Hey, you're not. We don't like you anymore." They want him in prison for five years, right? Yes. Yeah, for for saying something negative about the, uh, the president. The president. Uh huh. See, you can't keep flapping it at the mouth, or you're going to get kicked out of your country too. Well, Ennis is one to. Uh... Flap the mouth quite often. In it, honestly, and I'm not. This is not a joke. I mean, his his favorite wrest. He's big into the wrestling. His favorite wrestler was uh, the Undertaker. That's why he Ooh. got the nickname the Undercanter. <laughs> uh, but no, he's like that's like how that's it's kind of how he thinks. Yeah. He he likes to get out there and talk big. It, it's very wrestler like. Yes, but he understands he's in the NBA, right? I, I do believe so, yes. And he's a diplomat. You should be like a diplomat for Turkey as well because those are your home peeps. Yeah, he's not a big fan of what's going on in his homeland. No. But again, it's it's a complicated situation over there. I'm more worried that LeBron doesn't like him because what do you do when LeBron doesn't like you in the NBA? Yeah, if you're on LeBron's blacklist, that's <laughs> – Probably a bad thing for yeah. your NBA career, right? He's, he's going to score on you every time. He's going to give you that stink eye look. What do his teammates think of him, though? I would love to talk to Russell Westbrook about Ennis Cantor. Ooh. Ooh. See, that's the sports journalist in you. What What would your first question be to Russell? About Ennis Cantor? Uh-huh. What would you do to keep his mouth shut? <laughs> It's very blunt. <laughs> He's very, honestly, I, I've I've talked with Ennis Cantor several times. Um, like you, you guys are in the same. Didn't you go to camp together? Uh, we did. We were we were bunk mates. Um, <laughs> it was it was very much like uh, like the Parent Trap. We got in trouble. They put us in a cabin, just he <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. where we had to work out our problems. And then you guys switched places because you played in the places. NBA for a I while. I went to Turkey. Yeah. He went to. Uh, BYU Broadcasting. He went to BYU Broadcasting. It was a whole thing. Uh-huh. And we got our parents together. It was You guys awkward. look a lot alike. Yeah. Now Jason's wanted for five years in a Turkish prison. <laughs> no, but he's very childlike, honestly. Is he? He is, he is very much like everything impresses him. Like he's like he's seeing things for the first time. That is very much in his canter. Really? Like so it sparkles. He, the, the fact that he would just kind of say things that without probably thinking about it first, that is not a big surprise. <laughs> that That's just typical Ennis. And by the way, his name is Ennis. That is correct. I mean, that, even that's difficult. Because I was thinking it was Ennis. Nope. It's Ennis. 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 Pass me the Ennis. Hey, um. <laughs> Anyway, what was that? I have no idea. I have no idea. But every once in a while, I go, I guess, Scottish. Was that Scottish? Sure. sure something was. like that. I don't know. Hey, um, any any news, any real news come out of the uh, the signing day thing? Anything that was like, wow, we got one. Uh, it's funny that you bring that up, Matt. Okay. Because BYU is unique in and of uh, the fact that we're not going to know what these guys do for like three or four. Years. I know the majority the of the mission. They do the, the the mission for two years. The mission trip. Yeah, they <laughs> work out for two years. Eleven. They come Eleven here. of the thirteen signees are projected to go on missions first. Wow. So it's like, hey, what do you think these guys are going to do in twenty twenty one? That really is a. It's it's like you're playing the futures market. It's all futures. It's. Like how way down the road. How do you, do you, road, do you projects? project that? Yeah. Mm. 
Uh, can you tell me what the Dow's going to uh, be on uh, January 7th <laughs> of 2021, Matt? <laughs> Like what? Huh? Yeah, no. that's why BYU. What are gas prices going to be in 2021? I don't know. No idea. Who's president? Everybody. Yeah. Everybody talks about BYU and how how it's so difficult to get people to come to BYU, and you have to find a specific athlete. It goes far beyond that. There's certainly something to that, mm-hmm. but it's also the coaches have to project these guys not only to what they're, they'll do after high school, but how they project after two years of a mission. Yeah. So there's so much more. There's even more projecting for BYU coaches than than just an average coach. Because so they're not going to have them for three or four years. So true. So true. Which is why, because we can't know, we have to instead watch your show and, and learn from the masters. So on your show today, what are you going to do to edify us while we wait to find out if they'll be successful? Well, we will tell you that we did learn some things yesterday about this BYU football recruiting class that don't so much relate to what we think they're going to do on the field Mm. whenever they hit the field, but just the overall direction of the program and the emphasis that coaches are placing on certain personality types and certain body types. Ah, So we did learn some of that, and we will spend our time focusing on what we know now that's good. That's not good. what's going to happen in three to four years on the field. That's good because we know their body types now. Good stuff, guys. And uh, by the way, you'll get a full one hour with Spencer and Jason in five minutes from now. So just sit still. Just relax because you're going to get the whole download from our good brother in there. Um, boy, we love having him on the show, too. And uh for some reason, Jeff, did you ever figure out they they were they were hearing us and we weren't hearing them? Somebody apparently forgot to flip that one switch. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm guessing it was on their end. <laughs> yeah, because I would never make a mistake. No, no, you guys, it was totally fine. Whatever happened, we're just glad they made it. Um, hey, it's a hero day. We always like to tell the hero story at the very end of the show, and uh, today's hero is a Major League Baseball pitcher. Listen to this. Uh, Rangers pitcher Cole Hamels and his wife have donated $9 million, uh, their $9 million home to a camp that serves individuals with special needs and chronic illnesses. The home, which sits on Table Rock Lake in southwest Missouri, is a 32,000-square-foot home, and the Hamels uh, have basically donated it to the camp. How cool is that? Seeing the faces, hearing the laughter, reading the stories of the kids they serve. There is truly nothing like it, Cole Hamels said in a news release. Barnabas makes dreams come true, and we felt uh, called to help them in a big way. Camp Barnabas uh, is the name of the organization, and uh, they're there to, to help as many lives as they can. And when you think about it, everyone's like, well, yeah, your pro baseball player has all this money. You can just do that. But it doesn't mean you have to give up $9 million. These are people that are obviously blessed and and given a lot, and they also believe in a ministry and the ministry of helping others, and so they're doing it. So we honor uh, the Hamels uh, for stepping up and and doing what they can to help others' lives. That really is the spirit of the season, isn't it? And so as I say goodbye to you through, and I won't talk to you again till the new year, just know that we care about you here, and we want to be a, a guide on the side. We want to help. We want to help make life a little bit better and easier for everyone. But uh, join us again in the new year tomorrow. Uh, Jeff will be at it again. BYU Broadcasting will be going all through uh, the holidays as well. So keep us on your dial. 
This is the Matt Townsend Show. BYU Sports Nation is up next. <laughs>